So I just want you guys to think about this long and hard for just a second, because given the very scientifically real possibility that there are an infinite number of alternate realities shooting out in every which direction where things are just a little bit different and that creates an entire new universe where people inhabit and live their lives and stuff like that, right? That means given that infinite number of possibilities, there is somewhere in the multiverse an alternate reality where Richard Gere has branded a line of marital aids and sex products geared towards men, and it is called Dick Gear by Richard Gear. Oh, shit. <laughs> I'm just saying. Incredible. Yeah. <laughs> Given the possibilities of an infinite multiverse, this has happened. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds right. I, I was really expecting this to end up being like a hamster joke. Yeah, me too. That's uh, why I was like, where's the, where's the hamster? Yeah. <laughs> but it went a different place and I think that it was unexpected <laughs> I'm glad that you went ahead and like you know just popped that bubble because I was really wondering if we could go this entire episode and not make a Richard Gear hamster joke no. so I'm glad you no. went ahead and got it out of the way for our listeners on the newest installment of Dead and Lovely the greatest podcast here with the hostess the most why why is that who's that where's that handsome man over there who is that it's me Hollywood Steve hello <gasps> Hello, Hollywood Steve. I'm your good buddy, Uncle Ben, and I can't help but feel as if there is there is a presence on this Zoom call, a what presence of a of a female. What is no. going on here? Who is there? He is here. He is here. Show yourself, spirit. Who might this be on this call with us? Uh, hi, I'm I'm Corrigan. <laughs> Coming in strong. Ooh, yeah. Spooky Corrigan. Corrigan, spirit, from whence do thee come? Uh, from the realm of Jack of All Graves. Uh, <gasps> I was going to say the greatest podcast, but now it just feels, it feels derivative. Wait, there's another podcast? What? <laughs> Huh. Surprise! There's another podcast. <laughs> and, and the spirit said, it. there is another! <laughs> <laughs> so, I've, I've listened to your podcast uh, and been on your podcast. You have been on my yeah. podcast, and it was a delightful time. It was fun, it was fun, and I, I, I really enjoy your podcast, so I was excited to get to have you on here, and we'll, of course, have Mark on in the future as yes. well. Uh so tell us a little bit about your podcast for the uninitiated. What is it? What's going on? What you talking about? Well, sure. Uh, Jack of All Graves is a podcast about, uh, as one of our listeners put it, the horrors of humanity. So we're mm. kind of a horror podcast. We talk a bit about horror movies and things like that, but we're not a review podcast. We mostly pick a topic that scares us or scares our listeners and we just talk about it. We call it mm. Joag therapy. We mm -hmm. work through it. This week, for example, we talked about guns in America. And my co-host is from Wales. He lives in England. So, you know, it's a bit of cultural exchange over <laughs> uh, things that we don't understand about each other's respective countries. So we've talked about that. We've talked about the religious concept of the rapture. We've talked about different methods of being buried and how we would like to be buried or not buried or whatever after you die. Mm. We've talked a lot about various forms of head trauma and delusions. Just basically Ooh. anything about being human that's horrifying. Jack of all graves talks about it. <laughs> that's amazing. And you know, that's actually very similar to a concept that I dreamt up long ago <gasps> that I would love for the vocalist of Corn, Jonathan Davis, to start a podcast where he talks about spooky, morbid things and they call it Corn on Macabre. 
Oh, man. I feel yeah. like you've said that to me before. And it's very I funny. I think I tweeted it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, you know, I'm an I idea man. someone says something is very funny without laughing. <laughs> yeah, that, that really lets you know. That's very funny. That's very funny. Yeah. That's, that's very yeah. funny. Yeah. <laughs> you are very witty, Ben. Thanks. Thank you. Uh, same to you all as well. Very humorous. <laughs> yeah, we sold it right there for sure. Well, it's definitely a pleasure to have you on. Are are you into a horror movie? Do you like a scurry picture, Corey? Oh boy, I do love I do love going to the scary pictures. It is, in fact, you know, I was a, a film PhD, uh, and hate most of the stuff that you study in a film <laughs> PhD, like you know, all the foreign stuff, the mm. artsy stuff. All I really want in the world is to watch horror movies. So that's pretty much yes. all I do. Agreed. Like, you know, I'll occasionally throw in something else, like a sitcom or something, but yeah, I'm all about the I'm all about the cinematic nightmares. I believe that. And if I ask you a question of what is a favorite horror movie of yours, what's the first thing that comes to mind? Jaws. Jaws. Awesome. Very good. Yeah, Jaws is my absolute passion. I'm obsessed with Jaws. I have gone and done Jaws on the Water in Austin, Texas. I am flying to the UK to go meet um, uh, Richard Dreyfus in uh, October. I have Jaws things all over my house. I am a giant Jaws fan, so that is... that's number one. Do you... Wow. Um, are you aware of fellow New Jersey and Howard Kramer? Comedian? Hmm, I don't know that I am. Okay. Howard Kramer uh, is a big Jaws fan, and uh, okay. he plays a game on his podcast, Who Charted, called Jaws is Better. And I think we've paid, played <laughs> it on here. I'm, I'm going to play it with Ben right now. Ben, uh, what's your favorite movie? I, I like, uh, let's see here, favorite ever? I, the Shining. I love The Shining. Jaws is Better. Why? Why would you say that to me? Prove it. Um, okay, so uh, you, you like loneliness and isolation? You got uh, three yeah. guys on a boat and a shark. Ooh. Uh, you, you like, uh, you like, uh, deep, tense moments. Jaws got those. Fair point. Okay. Um, wow. you, oh, you like, uh, uh, managerial decisions that turn out bad. True. Jaws got that. Tourism. That. You mm-hmm. got mm-hmm. tourism. See? Right? It's a hotel. Right. So, it's all uh, about tourism and Amity. The game ends when you say Jaws is better. Damn, Jaws might be better. All right, oh! you've won. <laughs> wow, or did I lose? Shit. Oh, man, I really feel like we've been on a journey together, yeah. guys. I feel like we have. I feel like we have. Great. Well, it is indeed a delight to have you here on our show. Uh, I believe that you've also been a dead and lovely listener yourself. Yeah, I've been listening to Dead and Lovely for a while. Um, I'm, I'm not sure entirely how long, but back when I used to live in California and left the house, it was my standard commute go to mm-hmm. listen and uh, but only in the past you know maybe five or six months have i gotten to be a part of your online community and, and get to know people in the screaming chats awesome. and uh, in awesome. the facebook group and gosh it's just it's one of the greatest things about like a good podcast is the people yes. that they totally bring in agree. and you guys have an incredible group of people that you've brought into this podcast that's just wonderful to be a part of Fine, We're fine super folks. happy to have them, for yeah. sure. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And we have brought you onto our show today because you are yourself somewhat of an expert, one might say, on the world of the Marthman <laughs> itself. The Marthman. You know quite a lot about it, which is perfect because on today's episode, we're going to be reviewing 
2002? Is that right? Uh-huh. Question mark? Yeah, 2002. 2002. Mothman prophecies. <laughs> and if you just want to like skip all the cool stuff and get right on to the movie review, there's a timestamp for you in the podcast description. If you want to be that way, fine. Be that way. I will judge you. But if you want to get right on to it, there's a timestamp for you. But before we get to that, of course, we got to chit-chat. We got to talk about what we've been watching this week. We got to slam a co-beer. And, of course, we've got to make that pit stop into the preview palace. Steve, what have you been watching this week, man? Uh, Well, Ben, uh, we talked about it last week a little bit. But uh, I finally watched the entirety of the Snyder Cut. Oh, so that was your week right there. Yes, it took five sittings. um, And... The first four were for the first hour. <laughs> Real hard to get into for me. But build that momentum. There is nine and a half minutes before anyone speaks yeah. in that movie. That's, and then some of the first stuff that you hear is an Icelandic folk song as uh, exactly. Aquaman <laughs> dives into the water and throws his sweater off. Yeah. Yeah. But okay. I'm just saying for that scene, I get it. The big Icelandic hymn thing they're doing, it's impactful. If they would have sung the sweater song, it would have been better. (laughs) Oh, I would watch the shit out of that. Bring it back to Weezer. Always. (laughs) Right, right. Okay, so here's the thing. I, about, uh, maybe after sitting two, uh, how did this get made, released an episode on the Snyder Cut? Oh, I gotta listen to this. Yes, you do. You really, really need to because... They made it palatable for me. They okay, and this, I'm not gonna try to recreate everything they talk about, but they definitely made it make sense to me. Because one of my issues was, why does this exist? Like, what what the yeah. hell is this? And can I ask, how familiar were you with the other Justice League? The I watched Whedon it once. Cut? I don't know what. It, okay, yeah. yeah. This is part of my even attempting to watch the Snyder Cut. I was sitting there like, I don't know the original one well enough to be making any judgments about this. Yeah. So maybe you've got here some context. Yeah. Um. So I'll, I'll just a little. I won't talk about everything they talk about because it is well worth listening to. I, apparently, there are several other podcasts. Apparently. Uh, uh, impossible. We just well, learned about that. it recently. I thought it was just the two. Yeah, it was just <laughs> us. That was it. <laughs> yeah. But um, so basically, uh, you know, Snyder stepped away because of family issues. Uh, a member of his family died. Very tragic. Yeah. yeah. Uh, very sad. And Snyder had shot 90% of the film that exists now, yeah. the four hour cut. Okay. Um, he had shot 90% of the film and then they brought Joss Whedon in to finish it and Whedon changed so much, like just so much of it that, um, you know, Snyder felt like his project had been ruined. Uh, to be fair, his project is a four hour movie. Yeah. That's <laughs> like, it, it, it is not anything that you would imagine should exist or would succeed if it went into the theaters, how many people are no going to sit for four hours for a, like how many people are that dedicated to the DCEU anyway? Um, so four hours long. Yes. It's, it's ridiculous. And it's so Snyder and, and all that, that being said, it's okay. In <laughs> fact, I might watch it again. Oh, damn. it would take a lot of work, but I might watch it again. I don't know if I'd go that far for myself. I mean, I'll definitely <laughs> say, like, 
it's better than Wonder Woman 1984 yes. and Aquaman and all those. It's like, yeah, it's head and shoulders above those yeah. flicks. But maybe if I ever did watch it again for whatever reason, I would watch it like episodically over the course of like a week. I'd watch a mm. chapter tonight, a chapter tomorrow night, a chapter yes. the day after like that. That's just what it watch should it be. like it's a mini series. Honestly, it just should have been uh, an HBO released as a Max fucking mini series. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. It seems so obvious. Yeah. I and honestly, I would love it if HBO Max was like, okay, yeah, we'll do that. And was like, we'll release another Snyder Justice League just as an eight episode series. I'd be cool I can't with believe that. they didn't consult you about they that. They should have asked. For real. <laughs> I mean, when we're texting HBO Max and I, HBO Max would be like, <laughs> dick pic question mark. And I'm like, yeah, okay. I send it and they're like, yeah, that was nice. Another one maybe? And it's like, okay, from the back. <laughs> you know, whatever. But then we, we get to the regular talk and I forgot to bring up Snyder. <laughs> <laughs> I get it. I get it. It's a matter of priorities. I understand. It's, it's, what did you think of that very subtle soundtrack work that DC is known God, for? God, it's the worst. So bad. So, so bad. bad. Uh, and also, of course, Superman's Jesus. Duh. Always. Yeah. White Jesus. <laughs> Thank you, Superman, for your Jesusly Christ pose and, and all those things. That's nice. Uh, but Okay, so what it did for me, though, was it makes me super excited for a Flash movie. And a cyborg yeah. movie. Like, those characters okay stood that. out way more in the Snyder Cut than the original Justice League. And I was already on board for a Flash movie. But uh, I think Ezra Miller, if, if they do it, like, not Snydery, not fucking dark right. and uh, angsty. Joyless. And whatnot. Yeah, it has to be silly. <laughs> it's got to be like Shazammy or whatever. But I could see Ezra Miller's really good. He's very, very good. I would love I to agree see with that. that. And Cyborg, they really fleshed out the character. I, I already liked Cyborg a lot as a character. And then the Justice League that we saw first was just like, eh, who cares? And then now it's like, no, okay. I'd, I'd watch a, a full Cyborg movie. But right I'd on. rather see a Teen Titans with Cyborg as, as the lead or something. Yeah, give us those relevant characters that like young people actually give a shit about, right? Yeah. Corey, so you watched it too. How did you feel about the movie? I did not make it through it, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not attached enough to it's any of DC. Even like comics-wise, I was never really huge into DC. I was Same. always grew up very into Marvel. Mm -hmm. Yep. So, you know, not that those things have to be, uh, you know, uh, opposing forces, but I just was more into Marvel. I collected yeah. the cards, read those things. So, yeah, I, I think if I were more attached to them, yes. although... I will say I have watched a lot of Justice League Unlimited, the cartoon. It's the best. It's the best. Yeah. And it's oh. it's on Hulu or something yeah. now, which I am super stoked about because you couldn't find it anywhere Check for years. Check out Young Justice if you haven't ever seen it. Young Justice I haven't is seen so it. good. Like, it is an awesome, awesome show. DC's animated stuff is just great. Yeah, I think they've always kind of been on top of, on top of it animated-wise. Yeah. And I think, like, their TV universe people really like yeah. as well. Mm-hmm. They just can't stick the landing on movies. So yeah. I did not make it through the Snyder Cut. I watched about an hour of it. And then I realized that I was paying more attention to my Candy Crush. And it was defeating the purpose. I'm like, if you're going to watch a four-hour movie... You got to pay attention. You should, like, you should yeah. probably watch it. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> right on, man. Well, Steve, what else did you catch this week? Um, I watched a little movie called The Editor. Which uh, is from is. the Astro 6 folks. Um who are responsible for Psycho Gorman. I'm already listening. Yeah, God, I love Psycho Gorman. Yeah, it's awesome. Um, the editor is a, a giallo horror comedy. Okay. okay, I'm on board. It's exactly, like, it gets giallo so well. Like, the, like it, it's such a niche. Like, 
you have to know Giallo. You have to like have seen enough Giallo to get the stupid like threads that run through. And then if you have that, the movie nails it. It nails exactly. <laughs> but if you don't have it, I can imagine watching it and being like, I don't see why this is funny. Why do they keep hitting all the women? It's like, well, that's Giallo. <laughs> they yeah, it is. They yeah. women a lot. Yep, that's unfortunately part of the genre, yeah. I, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. Ooh. <laughs> is this a recent movie? Uh, kind of recent, yeah. And it uh, it's got the dad from uh, Psycho Gorman as the, the oh. lead. So Awesome. Yeah. Oh, he's the lead in yeah. it, really? Yeah. It's it's well <laughs> worth a watch. It's on Shutter and Amazon Prime, so check hey, it out. Yeah, I might just put that on tonight. What'd you guys get up to on that old screaming chat this week, Steve? The screaming chat. Well, we watched a little movie called Ginger Dead Man, because <laughs> uh, D- Dave Barnett, David Barnett, sorry, uh, sent me uh, a link for on on YouTube, and it was like potato quality and um <laughs> exactly how you'd want it to be honestly because Perfect. boy that movie's potato quality <laughs> it's just, just a so real tater stupid. of a flick uh but gary Busey's great obviously and, oh, it's uh, gary, gary Busey? Busey? yes gary nice. Busey is insane um what is the premise of this is it a christmas movie i okay I saw it listed as a christmas movie and i obviously on the screaming chat i pay a million percent attention to the chat and no attention to the movie so yeah. but i don't remember anything Christmassy about it other than <laughs> that there's a gingerbread man <laughs> okay um Fair enough. but basically the premise is a a, a bad dude uh, gets his ashes mixed into some gingerbread dough by and then you know it's child's play basically <laughs> i was about yeah. to say but it's child's play with okay, a, yeah. a gingerbread man that looks sure. terrible it's a bad, bad prop and just looks stupid. Now, that's surprising to me because given the limited amount of information that I have about the movie, I was assuming that it was a movie about a gingerbread man who is innocent and kind that is scared of Gary Busey's teeth. <laughs> right? <laughs> that would make more sense to me. That's terrifying. It really is. Once again, I would watch that. Yeah, yeah. for sure. I'm on board for that, too. <laughs> there should be a horror movie that is about Gary Busey's teeth because you know he would do it. Oh, absolutely. He would 100% do that. <laughs> yes. I don't know what the premise would be, but that's your big bad I think, Gary Busey's teeth. I think the teeth maybe would get implanted in someone else's head. Like, he would die. Yeah. And it would be like the bad hair from, uh, well, not uh, the movie Bad Hair has that, but uh, <laughs> that Mark Hamill uh, short and whatever that was. Oh, uh, Body Bags. The John Carpenter's okay, yeah. Body Bags. There's a short where uh brian dennehy i think gets hair transplant <laughs> from and it's evil hair um awesome or <laughs> something like that anyway yeah but like yeah if they got like an evil teeth transplant and then the teeth like i guess would talk in gary Busey's voice <laughs> okay yeah. now now we're talking yes yes and i do <laughs> i do just want a scene where it like microscopes into the teeth and we, all the little like uh molecules of it are just Gary Busey's face like, nah, 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 nah. like yeah it's like fractal yeah. Gary Busey teeth yeah <laughs> I hope that somehow they would get like passed around like they're like these weird haunted dentures or something to be like you know like in that Fallen would, yeah. when people walk by each other and like uh-huh. they they like pass the demon or whatever uh-huh. but it's Gary Busey's teeth somehow they just like end up in your mouth and it's at an old folks home and like they just yeah. keep getting them mixed up because they're yeah. always having old folks uh 
uh, gangbang parties or whatever. Yeah, from no what I understand allowed. of old folks' homes, that, that is a thousand percent correct. True, Based yeah. on a true story. <laughs> yeah, yeah so, for sure. Plausible. <laughs> Man, trademark dead and lovely slash jack of all graves. You you heard it here first. Yeah. <laughs> right? When this movie gets made, you'll know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you were here when were here. Teeth 2 Gary Boogaloo was conceived. <laughs> what? I don't know. <laughs> what about you, Corey? What you been zooming in on and watching this week? Now that you asked me that just as I took a big sip of water. <laughs> 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 uh, this, the action I did, too, is... Um, I don't know if... Do you guys listen to a lot of other podcasts? Uh, yeah. Yes, the same ones usually. I listen I listen <laughs> to your podcast, so... Well, hey, yeah. there's that. There's a there's a podcast called Taggart and Torrance. Have you ever heard of it? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. It's a Canadian podcast. It's um, Jeremy Taggart from uh, Our Lady Peace. Oh. And, uh, and Jonathan Torrance, who's an actor, comedian up there. But anyway, they had this bit on it once about a, a ghost named Gortgak. Uh, and they, they bring it back every now and again. And Gorkgak is this ghost that... I don't know why I'm saying this out loud. Uh, Gorkgak is it. a ghost that face fucks people while they're in the middle of talking. And so, I have been like, visited by this this being, yes. They will be like in the... So they'll be like, all right, what, what am I doing? Uh, you're giving a eulogy at a funeral. Okay, I'm giving you a eulogy at a funeral. They'll get up there and be... <laughs> you know, uh, oh, so and so was such a, a wonderful soul, and and uh, they they did so much uh, for their community. <laughs> <laughs> also, sounds That's like the, the grapefruit lady. I was gonna say it's like a grapefruit technique. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, I kind of did that sound when you initially. Um, <laughs> Asked Amazing. me this question. Uh, and so I just implied that I was being face fucked by a ghost. <laughs> it happens to the best of us. It yeah, does. You know, yeah. you can't stop it. Uh, I watched St. Maud this week. Awesome. Ooh, I want to know about this. I've been wanting to watch me it, too. but I think you have to, like, pay for some streaming service just so you can watch it. And I'm not about to do that. Yeah. yeah, no, absolutely not. But since it's a streaming service that I haven't done a free trial of yet, <laughs> it worked out nicely. It's on Epics, and I have never done my free trial of Epics. Do you nice. ever do that? Like, you go and you're like, oh, this is on something, yep. and then you're like, oh, I've already done my AMC Plus trial yep. or my yep. whatever. That's right. <laughs> yeah, this one I had not used up yet. So you can get a seven-day trial of Epics on Amazon, um, and I literally just did it for St. Maud, which is essentially, I think, what they they're depending on is everyone wants to watch this movie right. totally it's yeah. legit like it's nominated for a bafta it's like a you know it's a big deal um and it is i didn't know what to expect of it except that everyone was kind of raving about it and it's a really interesting um interesting story i think for you know i think we're all from various religious mm-hmm. backgrounds and whatnot oh, yeah. and it's this you know about this girl who is a bit of a religious zealot um, and becomes obsessed with trying to save the soul of the woman that she is uh, sort of doing like um, palliative care for this woman oh. who's going to die. And she becomes obsessed with the need to save this woman's soul. Mm-hmm. Um, and things get very bonkers as a result. And it really is. It's great. Awesome. <laughs> have, really? You know, it's a little bit of a slow burn through it. You can see why this is the kind of movie they would nominate for like a real prestigious award. Like it's got that element of art to it that High you're class. like, yeah, 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 yeah. People who don't watch horror would like this. Um, <laughs> but then it gets very crazy and 
interesting. So yeah, I recommend it. Man, I was hoping that it would be good, but I was having like flashbacks to when I was hearing everybody be like, oh, The Lodge is the best thing that's happened since oh, The yeah. Exorcist, right. or Veronica is the scariest movie ever yeah. and shit. And it's just like, man, all that hype is always bullshit. But then <laughs> I kept seeing is. like actual legit horror fans that I knew being like, oh no, this movie is actually pretty fucking awesome. Yeah. And you know, this is, I've talked about it on my podcast, but I have this thing about Rotten Tomatoes where if the critic score is high for a horror movie then horror fans are going to hate it because mm-hmm. it's like people critics watch movies for entirely different reasons than horror people watch movies yeah. and usually if like the critics accept it it's you know it's their kind of art so i was actually genuinely a little worried about watching saint Maud as a result because i was like yeah normies like this <laughs> right <laughs> how well this is going to go over and i think you know you got to it's not the scariest movie ever. I think that's like an important element of this. This is the kind of thing like, remember when It Follows was like the thing? Yeah. And everyone was like, it's the scariest movie I've ever seen. And I went and saw it and I was like, it's good. Uh, I like scary. it. Yeah. It's fine. It's just, I didn't like, I wasn't scared. So, so I won't say you'll be scared by St. Maud, but it absolutely, it's tense, you know, right. it's very tense. And you just know, you have that feeling throughout it that something bad is going to happen, but you can't place what it's going to be. So it's got that dread to that it. Dread, you know? yeah, I like that. Mm-hmm. I like that. Yeah. yeah, enjoyable. What else you been on? Mark and I both revisited uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre Two. Yes. Uh, yes, which is just so absurdly fun. Mm-hmm. It is. It's like, just cocaine. I, like it's it just cocaine. Yes. The movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is just an absolute blast from like the moment it begins to the moment it ends. And, you know, we were both in kind of a little bit of a dry spell in terms of like watching movies and finding like uh, everything that we've watched has too much message. Like right now, I'm sick of every movie being full of message. Mm-hmm. Yep. And we we're like, what are we going to do to break out of this message horror rut? Texas Chainsaw Texas Massacre. Texas Chainsaw Massacre, yeah. God, it you delivers. made the what right a choice. wild film. It's awesome. Yeah. 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 Made lovingly. You know, that's yeah. a movie that is made with care. I mean, the uh, thing they loved was cocaine, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was loving. Yes. And bless, you know, that comes across <laughs> in a does. wonderful way. It really it does. It comes across in a yeah. wonderful way. You know, <laughs> Dennis Hopper is just insane. Yeah. In, in his own realm. You yeah. know, and that's a man who could do a ton of drugs and things like that and then show up and be just as crazy as you'd expect someone to be doing a lot of drugs. But it works. It does. Oh, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. So, man, it's such a weird sequel, too, because like the first TCM, which, of course, we love here on the show, is such like a chore to watch. It's like <laughs> physically exhausting to watch. It you know, is, it's one yeah. of those you have to like really prepare yourself to do because, you know, it's going to like take a lot out of you. It's just yeah. exhausting. But TCM 2 is fun like yeah. it's just a wacky weird fun cocaine driven hell ride <laughs> <laughs> put that it on really the box is. it's such a strange tonal shift um and interestingly we actually watched another movie that had um is it caroline williams that the name of the yep. girl mm-hmm. okay so we also watched uh 10 minutes to midnight have oh, you guys okay. come across that one yet Uh-oh. no um and it has caroline williams from texas chainsaw massacre 2 uh, once again, playing a radio DJ. So it's kind of mm. a fun little throwback to nice. that Stretch. character. Yeah. Um, but here's the thing. That movie is like very bonkers and weird. Uh, and then it hits a point where the message comes in real hot. 
uh, and <laughs> just like 10, 12 minutes of that movie, you're just like, okay. Mm, we get it. Okay. Mm. I No, I get it. It's, I get what you're doing here. We can, we could stop. We gotcha. And then it gets bonkers again and oh. absolutely like hits this weird reset where the characters start, the actors start playing different characters than they were playing earlier in the movie. What? And it is super wild and you're just sitting there completely confused and that super worked. So it's like there's, there's 10 to 15 minutes of this movie that absolutely are a chore but the parts before and after that okay are a delight and it's great to see her and just you know her really giving her all into that wow this also sounds like a movie that may have been you know fueled by skiing the devil's dandruff (laughs) yeah no it it has that sense to it absolutely (laughs) Um, definitely a lot of booger sugar in the budget of that flick i'll tell you that (laughs) yeah and this week I also watched a movie from like 2001 or something like that called The Countess, mm. uh, which is about uh, the most prolific female serial killer Ooh. in history, uh, Countess Erschabet Battery. Mm. I thought you was Bathory. about to say Hillary Clinton. <laughs> <laughs> Buttery thought that's what you was talking about. Elizabeth yeah. Bathory didn't stick to just babies oh. and political enemies, though, and, and as far as we know, she wasn't eating them. So, no, you know, her no. and Hillary are just like in a different, <laughs> different and league. Let's, let's just be honest here, too. Our babies really people come on oh, I, I don't want to be the point. one to say it but i'm gonna say it i mean Maybe listen, people, I don't think as so. a liberal no <laughs> no no absolutely not i'm what a baby best. eating liberal <laughs> joe biden is sdr too <laughs> um i don't remember what i was talking about oh yeah elizabeth bathroom I was like, got really fixated on baby eating for a second there. <laughs> it happens. As you do. Um, no, Elizabeth Bathory, this is the most prolific serial killer, female serial killer in history, who um, basically, I mean, there's a lot of myths about her, um, but essentially just murdered hundreds and hundreds of young women um, and supposedly um, thought that their blood was going to like keep her young mm-hmm. and whatnot. Uh, but this movie was written, directed, uh, the score composed by, and uh, acted by uh, Julie Delpy. Okay. Julie she did Delpy. all of that. It's a yeah. little uneven, uh, but it's kind of like the costume drama serial killer movie mm. I didn't know I needed. I was like, this is like, mm. this is not as smart a movie as she thinks it is, but it's actually a lot of fun to <laughs> okay. watch. Okay, but still working. <laughs> like, okay. Turning it into some sort of weird feminist romance uh, set against the backdrop of murder. It kind of worked. Sounds okay. I'll yeah. check that. Had Daniel Brühl, who is always a good oh, okay. time. You know, there's some Daniel Brühl booty for those that might be interested Look in that. Out. So. Show me damn buns, Brühl. Yeah. What, uh, is Daniel Brühl related to Dr. Steve Brühl? It's for your health. Who's Dr. Steve? It's a John C. <laughs> Riley character from Tim and Eric. <laughs> Tim and Eric. Oh, okay. <laughs> You've probably seen memes. And I'm like, sure. Oh, John oh, yeah. C. Riley played a weird character. Yeah. <laughs> Is that the one? Does he like have like kind of weird yeah. hair and like glass? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I've seen those. I've seen that on the old interwebs. <laughs> yeah. Life's not complete without some rule. You need that in your life. Yeah. I'll tell you that. Okay. I'll, I'll look for it then. <laughs> 
I mean, I'll forget this in two seconds, but I'll re-listen to this later and hopefully I'll remember. <laughs> then it remember, later. got it. It's a plan. I think it sounds like a plan. <laughs> well, I've been up to watching quite a lot of things this week, you know, um, and not to get too bogged down and, and depressing, but, you know, as I mentioned on our Psycho Gorman episode, our, our good buddy Brandon Suttles passed away, and uh, my wife set herself in charge of going through, like, seriously 1,500 photos Oh, from wow. his you know, social media accounts and photos that family and stuff had sent her to put together like a movie collage thing to show at the memorial service and stuff like that, which was really awesome. So this week was kind of a week of just like, Kate's going to be working on editing photos all night. Let's just put something on that's noise and lights. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. that will be good enough. So we watched some fluff this week, but it's actually been pretty good. Okay. We watched this movie, and you guys will have to you guys have to help me remember what the name of it is. I forgot. It's that movie where a really young and handsome Tom Cruise, he's just like outrageously handsome, and he's a complete asshole the entire movie, mm-hmm. but the girls still go nuts for him and want to fuck his brains out, and he ends up with him. Which one is that? Uh, hmm. Magnolia? Gonna... No, it's not oh, that wait, one. No, that one ends differently. <laughs> yeah, that one ends differently. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Uh, is it's... it Top Gun? No, I watched that one like two weeks ago. Risky top... business. No, but that's that does fit that bill too, doesn't it? Hmm. Oh, I remember. It was Cocktail. Oh, <sighs> a tale of cock. <laughs> a tale of cock. It's known <laughs> as. <laughs> Have you guys seen Cocktail? Yep. No, I've never actually seen it. Okay, I'll tell you this. Like. It's fun to watch. It's one of those movies okay. where, like, the entire time it was on, Kate and I kept looking at each other being like, are are these real things they wrote into the script? Like, does this <laughs> woman have no self-respect? Like, there's just all kinds of ridiculous, mind-blowing shit that's going on in this movie that is damn near surreal. Mm-hmm. Like, it's one of those things where, like, it's absolutely not aging well whatsoever <laughs> in any way. It's just scummy and skeezy in so many different ways. But... It's interesting to watch that and be like, within my lifetime, this was like our parents' idea of like, this is a great film. What a great story. (laughs) It's almost surreal, man. And it's also, I think, interesting to watch this movie, which is, you know, a lot of it set in like 1980s New York. Yeah. Super scummy, grimy, and all that jazz. And like, whenever our, you know, people our parents' age talk about like, oh, the good old days, we used to have fun, blah, blah, blah. You watch that and you're like, what they're talking about is a whole bunch of, you know, shitty, drunk business people that just got off of work that are fucking miserable with their lives, shoulder to shoulder, breathing on each other in a smoke-filled bar, ordering disgusting cocktails and shitty beer while they're dumb asshole bartenders, like, flipping bottles around and, oh, I'll throw the ice, blah, blah, blah. And they're like, man, that was such a good time. <laughs> Fuck right? me, dude. Nostalgia for the 80s is, like, the dumbest thing on the planet. Like, it listen, there's plenty of, like, music and fashion that I kind of enjoy about the 80s. I, you know, I feel like all millennials went through a weird 80s phase. Mm-hmm. So, oh, yeah. like... I get it, but, like, on a practical level, what a shitty time to be an adult. Yeah. <laughs> like, it was terrible. Yes. <laughs> I, I constantly go back to, um, have you seen the the documentary on HBO Max about the um, action park? Class action, action park. park no, it's called. Action I've park. wanted to watch I, it. Uh, yeah. I know about it. I have not seen it. 
there's this part at the very end of it, um, because that's the thing people are nostalgic for, this this park that caused all of these injuries and even deaths to people and stuff like that. People are just like, yeah, the 80s were a time where you could do stuff like that. Wasn't that cool? <laughs> you know, and Chris Gethard is talking about it. And he's like, yeah, like there's stuff you're nostalgic for about yeah. that. And he's like, he says something along the lines of like, man, like it was so fun to grow up like that. And I am so mad that we grew up like yeah. that. You know, yeah. because you're like, when you actually look at it, it's just trauma. It is. Just it's, everyone is traumatized by the it. 80s. Full of trauma. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so like, this is exactly it. Looking at something like Cocktail or like any movie from that time, a John Hughes movie, anything. Like, yeah. you're just like, God, what a shitty time to be alive. For real, man. For real. And this guy's entire dream is to, you know, pull himself up by his bootstraps and start new york style bars that are gonna be in every shopping mall across america Ugh. like that's so <laughs> laughably surreal at yeah. this point by the way it's uh it's it's tgi fridays like i know right yeah like that's and it, it happened basically that fridays Yay! became this huge chain that i like i can't remember the last time i went to a tgi fridays i'm, I'm not a fan but uh, it is a place where if you don't have a lot of money and want to drink a lot of sugary alcohol, you can sure get drunk. Dude, I'll tell you, TGI Fridays is our number one airport stop to have like a gigantic liter of beer before yeah. an eight in the morning <laughs> flight before we go off and play music somewhere. That was like always our routine. It's like, hey, it's eight in the morning. We got 30 minutes for that gate check. Let's go get a beer. Get beer. Fridays. <laughs> Why not, man? Yeah, so it serves a purpose. I will say that of it. It yeah. is not, you know, nutrition or delicious food, but it does serve a purpose. <laughs> okay. Yeah, Cocktail, very fucking silly movie, but I can't lie. I enjoyed it for sure. Horrific soundtrack. So fucking terrible. Yeah. Oh, what a terrible soundtrack. Um, I also watched through the first two Austin Powers movies this past awesome. week. Bro, what? Dude, I'll tell you this. The first Austin Powers movie, two things about it. For one... Still holds up and is funny. Mm -hmm. And okay. for two, if you were born any time between, like, let's say 1980 and 1987, something like that, you might not realize it, but you have the entire movie memorized line by line. Like, <laughs> I was watching it not realizing I knew every line before they were going to say it. I was like, I don't feel like I watched this movie that many times right. when I was a ute, but apparently it burned itself into my memory banks. Still great. Man, okay, so I remember going to see the second one in the theaters with yeah. uh, Fat Bastard. Um, and Mini-Me. And, and looking Heather back Graham. on that, the joke is, uh, not that he's fat. He is fat. Everyone calls him Fat Bastard, sure, but he right. calls himself that, and he's very proud of his body size and things. He's and dead the dude sexy. gets laid like crazy. So, he does. Um, the joke is, he's babies. That's hilarious <laughs> that you have a character who is fat and is called Fat Bastard, but the real joke about him is that he fucking eats babies. <laughs> but the things that everybody knows him for is being fat. Like, right. that's the thing you notice. Not the fact that he talks yes. about eating babies all the time, Hillary Clinton style. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and that's just a side thing to his personality. Right. <laughs> that's true his personality being he is a fat bastard i just yeah. remember watching it though in the theater with uh, uh um uh, my my cousin buddy and my, my friend harold we were stoned obviously um <laughs> like you do. and 
we were sitting there and there's the point where fat bastard has his like oh, sort of like personal realization and he's like i eat because i'm fat and i'm fat because <laughs> i eat and yeah. i started dying laughing because it's so funny that this ridiculous character is getting serious and no one else in the theater was laughing then he farts and everybody's like haha and i was like mike myers is a comic genius because he yeah. made a joke for me and then made it funny for everybody else too that's yeah. true it's the art of diversion yeah. right it's a good yeah. point man yeah, still fun time. I'm going to watch Goldmember at some point this week. I've got to complete the trilogy. Like, I'm not going to. Come on. Might as well. Yeah. yeah. I, I, haven't I don't remember much about it. I've seen third one more than once. I only saw it yeah, the one time. Yeah, I've only seen it once for sure. Yeah. I think so, too. Yeah, I just, I kind of remember, I love gold. And then him, like, <laughs> peeling long sections of a sunburn off. Yeah. Like, that was cool yeah. or something. Uh, the, mole, yeah. the mole bit was funny with Fred Savage. Oh, mole. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, that is in that one. That's mm -hmm. right. Well, I'll report so back on that one um, for next week's episode <laughs> whenever I've watched through that. We watched a great documentary last night for Monday here at the Petler Inn. We watched The Last Blockbuster on the Netflix, and I've seen this, it yeah. was fantastic. Mm -hmm. I loved it's it. Like It really did touch on everything that I wanted to as far as like giving me a little bit of history and backstory about the franchise as well as just like pure nostalgia candy stuff, man. Um, as we were watching it and people were talking about, yeah, what it was like to go in a Blockbuster on a Friday night and blah, blah, blah. You know, I look over to Kate and I was like, do you remember the Blockbuster smell? Like Blockbusters all have a smell. Mm -hmm. And then literally like the next scene is this guy going like, yeah, and there's something about the smell of Blockbusters too. Like we all remember it yeah. so clearly. I don't know what it was, but I wish I had like a Yankee Candle Blockbuster <laughs> video. I burn that motherfucker to the ground. I, we do have to talk about, though, I mean, the real issue with the Blockbuster documentary for uh, me was, mm -hmm. uh, fuck Blockbuster. Like, fuck Blockbuster, yeah. Do you remember? It's a really good counterpoint. Yeah. Do yeah. you remember, Ben, <laughs> when our area got a Blockbuster? Yep. Absolutely so. We, uh, it was well past everybody else having a Blockbuster. Like, we, sure. we were used to hearing about Blockbuster in movies and on TV and <laughs> We had Very local same. video Very stores, mm -hmm. and Blockbuster came in, and I remember going to it and being like, "I don't like this place." Mm -mm, no, yeah. me neither. Um, I the employees didn't know much about movies a lot of the times; they were just randos. I could go to uh, Video West and be like, "Hey, man, uh, I I've just been watching these movies. What do you recommend?" And they'd be like, "Oh, this, 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 and this." They know the movies backwards yep. and forwards. Maybe they only got one copy, but yeah. So what? That just means you got a list of movies you're gonna watch in the future. Yeah, totally, man. And Blockbuster never had a big like old movie back catalog. Yeah. It was always just like new stuff. Yeah, it wasn't cool. It just the way that they came in and destroyed video rental, like. Right. Without Blockbuster, video rental might still be a viable business because it was mom and pop. Uh, why would mm -hmm. mom and pop uh, shut down just because streaming exists? Like, they might have yeah. to cut back. They might have to have fewer uh, copies or whatever, but they it's still a viable business if Blockbuster didn't come in and destroy it and then destroy itself. The Like, one of the small... Um... Like, cause we never had a blockbuster where I grew up. I don't think I went to a blockbuster until college mm -hmm. when I moved to like a city and they had stuff like that. They had blockbuster and Hollywood video right. and whatnot. And there were, there were like two major places you got your videos is video Mond and video droid. And the video droid only closed like 
a couple years ago, and I think it was because of a rent hike. It wasn't even that wow. like they weren't getting business. It was just that it became too expensive to be in the place that they uh-huh. were in. Um, and that was what closed it. But ultimately, I think you're right. Like if you don't have the the big store coming in and and being the competition like that, it's not necessarily that this would have completely gone under. People still use Redbox yeah, and things like, like that. Crazy. It's not that people yeah. don't use physical media. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, that's true, man. It is kind of interesting that we are sitting here watching this documentary being all nostalgic and stuff about like, oh, that thing that shut down all the mom and pop places in my my county. How (laughs) neat. It's like one day we're going to be watching like the Walmart story. Yeah. (laughs) And we're going to be feeling bad for Walmart. Yeah, fucking right. Yeah. I really seriously was thinking that while I was watching it. Just like one day, it it may be a hundred years from now, it may be five, but we will have a documentary about the Walmart and you'll have a whole lot of real country people on there like i loved it i loved that walmart it was so good to me and if their great grandparents could hear them they'd be like what the fuck are you talking about <laughs> exactly <laughs> they destroyed yeah. our family business they destroyed every family business yeah <laughs> and i'm gonna be on there too because i met my wife at the walmart yeah. <laughs> so i'm gonna be on it i'm gonna be is that true teacher. yeah that's true we met working together Amazing. at fucking walmart you get everything at that place if they don't have it at walmart you don't need it <laughs> i've also never lived near a walmart until much later in life oh, yeah. either, so. bless you. Yeah, <laughs> like these are all you. this is wild to me I, from like a small <laughs> town in massachusetts and moved to a small town in northern california so it's like anything big the only big store we had was a best buy Wow. Yeah. I mean, now there's now there's two deal. targets in the county, Ooh, which is fancy. wild. Wow. Moving yeah. on. Huh? <laughs> two other things that we watched this week. Uh, we watched Holiday on Netflix, which Yay. looked on surface level like it was going to be like a Hallmark picture, just mindless kind of thing. But it has like Emma Roberts in it. Okay. From Black Goat's Daughter is what I always think of her as. Uh-huh. I think that's what everybody knows her from, right? I'm pretty sure. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah maybe. I don't that was know. Her, her big breakout. Yeah. <laughs> Man, it's good. Like it's legit. Like pretty vulgar and pretty fucking funny. <laughs> okay, I I enjoyed it a it's lot. It's Surprisingly vulgar. Yeah, I know. It was a good time. I recommend watching that one. Yeah, and I just want to say because I never get a chance to do this that my dear friend, one of my besties, is in that movie, Cynthia Wu. Ooh. Uh, and so it excites me. One of the great things about watching that movie was like you know when you're watching something like a friend is in or, or listening to something that your friends made or something like that. Yeah. Like, yeah, you support them all the time, and you just hope that the thing you're watching is good. Yes. Mm-hmm. And yep. watching Holiday was one of those ones where I was like, yeah! <laughs> That's and not that Cynthia does a bunch of bad movies or anything like that, but uh. this is one of my favorites of the things she's been in. <laughs> so I endorse Holiday as well. Just nice. From my experience in living in L.A. and meeting actors and uh, having to make the keep a neutral face when they tell you what mm. they're in, because mm-hmm. they didn't make it. They took a right. job. Just yep. but also people can be sensitive. <laughs> when you hear exactly that they're on like I I almost said something. Uh <laughs> they're on a, a TNT drama that isn't very good. Okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. I remember one time I said to like some waiter we were um in DTLA and there was something filming uh-huh. and i was like oh i wonder what they're you know getting ready for they were setting up a night shot and there was like a christmas tree and all this as we were sitting there eating and i like said to the waiter like um like oh do you know what this is and he's like oh yeah it's for the the lethal weapon show 
and like I made some quip about like, oh yeah, that show that's definitely not going to get canceled immediately or something like that. And he was like, oh, my best friend is the lead. Oh, <laughs> I was like, no. I mean, I haven't seen it yet. It's actually probably really good. Um, <laughs> and, you know, like, ooh. See, a neutral face from is a good mouth. thing to learn. <laughs> for sure <laughs> I think the only other thing that we watched this week was we finished watching through the Ginny and Georgia series on the Netflix as well kind of a teen drama comedy elements and stuff like that but with a heart of gold okay. and actually some kind of like dark stuff going on with mm. it too um, okay I'll put it this way like the first couple episodes really great really enjoyed everything that they were doing there later on like the the, the main young lady that's on the show kind of enters like teenage spoiled brat mode which as Ooh. a you know like Harry Potter mid book 30s <laughs> yeah yeah exactly exactly it's like as a mid 30s dude I'm like you fucking brat like Kate and I were both just like man this girl's a little bitch you know <laughs> but it still works for the story like it serves a purpose and stuff I'll watch the season two I'll put it that way it was enjoyable okay. yeah. yeah I'll tell you what else I'd like to enjoy that's a code beer you want a code beer code inserted into my face. I need to install a beer into my mouth parts, don't you? Yeah, I think so. I think so. And uh, we got this beer, I think, from RDM, correct? That's right. This yeah. is an RDM beer drop special from my good buddy, Roger Dean Miller. Yeah, it's from uh, Four Sons, which is in Huntington Beach, California. Hey I have been there. They have a dog a beach there. a lot of Nazis there. there. They do have a dog beach and a lot of Nazis. That's true. Is it a nude dog beach? No. Well, the dogs are nude, yeah. So, yes. There you go. Yeah, it is. That's what I was after. Okay. Ho, ho. Let's make it sure. Um, Sexy. So, this is an 8.3% West Coast IPA Falconer, it's called. And oh uh, I'm excited because I haven't actually had a West Coast IPA in a while. Um, I'll tell you what. They're still good. Are they? Okay. I'm this smells delightful. Corey, you're not imbibing today, right? No, I'm not. I'm not really into the IPA. It's not really into the brews in general. Not a not a beer gal. No, you I know, it's it. brews for the dudes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm delighted to watch you enjoy. I am excited for this um, because uh, RDM always sends us the best stuff. Either it's uh, just things. awesome or it uh, is really weird. And that's yeah. always fun, too. Now this has like a slightly, like slightly sour sort of aroma to it, which is interesting. I'm not gonna say sour, more like a lemony kind of smell to it. How's that thing taste? You get you a swig of that? Yeah, uh, balanced. Oh, <laughs> it's got this good balance of like citrus and tropical fruit type of thing. Yeah, again, the the lemon thing is the first thing that I get out of it. Actually, like even more than any sort of happiness going on. Yeah. Yeah, that was like a little bit of like a, a guava like funkiness to it as well. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's some funk. Interesting. Zare interessant. Yeah, I like huh. that. 8.3%. Pretty solid. That's a big old boy right there. Mm -hmm. Pretty big old boy. Let's just see what that does to our bodies as we continue on with the show because you guys know what? We're talking about the Marth Man Prophecies, <laughs> which is a movie what concerns our man Dick Gear interacting with one of those mysterious cryptids. Ooh. Oh, the cryptids. And we all know they're constantly at war with the blood dids. Right? <laughs> cryptids and blood dids. Right? 
And then the Latin King dudes are just over in the corner, like, fuck these two. <laughs> and, uh, you know, cryptids, they're a, they're a wide and wonderful world of magic and mystery that I don't personally know all that much about, like most people, but also, like most people, I'm willing to get on a podcast and talk about it and talk about my favorite one. I hope you guys are too. So before we get to the movie review, how about the three of us just skip on in to the preview palace? Hey, did you see? What was that in the woods over there? Did you see it? Oh, oh my God. Oh, oh I hear a rustling. There's a rustling. He's here. What is this? Is that the? Oh my God. It's the preview palace. Oh, it's a spooky one. I heard that thing rustling around in there. Yeah, we're just going to give you guys a little breakdown of our favorite cryptids. There's so many to choose from. There are. Um, Steve, do you want to do you want to lead the way here and tell us about your favorite cryptid? Um, my favorite. I, I don't necessarily have a favorite, though. Uh, obviously, as a kid, I was obsessed with the Loch Ness monster. Yep. Um, it's a gateway cryptid. It is absolutely. Uh, every lake has their own. It seems. Uh, so I, I'll just focus on the OG, the Loch Ness Monster. As a kid, I remember looking at all of those supposed pictures of the Loch Ness Monster and being convinced, like, definitely there is a plesiosaur in Loch Ness. I gotta go and find it. I gotta go find that thing. And I never did. (laughs) (laughs) I'm dead That's unfortunate. You're speaking to the R.I.P. See you at the crossroads. <laughs> I get that entirely, dude, because like that was absolutely one that fascinated me as a kid, too. Because as anybody who's listened to our Jurassic Park episode knows, I was obsessed with dinosaurs as a kid. Mm-hmm. Absolutely nuts about dinosaurs. So like I watched every, you know, Jack Horner like dig video and stuff that I could find where they were digging up some fossils and dinosaurs. And just the thought that like there might be a dinosaur on this earth that I might be able to see with my own little child eye really fascinated me. I really wanted to believe. And um, then it turns out it's it's probably just a bunch of bullshit. (laughs) However, it also turns out we're surrounded by dinosaurs all the time because (gasps) birds exist. Oh my God. What, you one of those people that believes in evolution? (laughs) What? Get out of here. One of those baby-eating liberals. Uh Mm -hmm. Go on. I think we've established this. Yeah, Uh, yeah, and also, you know, maybe the real dinosaurs were the friends we made along the way. Oh, that's a good point. Mm -hmm. Mm. Yeah, (laughs) it's a real real thinker. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. The Loch Ness Monster was always, I think everyone was super into that, like across across the board. For some reason, that one really got us. And maybe that's it. Like, it's a dinosaur. It's a dinosaur. I think that was definitely a Kind of a cute one, too. Like, yes. Dinosaurs are kind of adorable. Exactly. They got those little flippers. What? Flippies. Oh, hey. It's a They're not going to hurt you. And that's honestly the thing that really upsets me about the entire scenario. Loch Ness Monster? What did he ever do to anybody? It's an Look, unfair name. He's old. He's lonely. He probably hasn't been laid in like a million years. And we're calling him a monster? Or her. I don't know. I'm not here to judge. I'm going to assume point. nothing. I mean, actually, guys, it's Loch Ness's Frankenstein. So. <laughs> oh, well, okay, let's settle that <laughs> argument. Jeez. Um, All right, Loch Ness Monster. Very good. Steve, I'll take the baton from here because I I, I think that Corey's going to have us out-knowledged at the wazoo. So yeah. that's not an act I want to follow. So I'll just I'll take it from here. I was actually going to do 
the Loch Ness monster myself, but I figured somebody else surely, surely was gonna pick the Loch Ness monster. I'm gonna go for one here. Okay, hear me out. This isn't necessarily viewed as a cryptid per se, mm-hmm. but listen, I've always adored Babe the Big Blue Ox and Paul fucking Bunyan. Tell me about butter skates. Tell me about your giant flapjack. Tell me about a a big old ox that could drink a hundred kegs of beer. Come on. Now that's a cryptid I want to party with. Yeah. I hadn't thought about that category of cryptid cryptid I I want to party with. It's folklore. (laughs) Like there's not really sightings per se, but it's American folklore. It kind of counts, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, maybe. Like, have there been supposed sightings of Babe or whatever? That, that's really I what mean, makes a cryptid a cryptid is... That's a really good point. Supposed sighting or some sort of evidence. Like, the like the, the, the monster cryptid definition, kind of. Mm-hmm. The monster... Like, nobody says, I saw Dracula the other day. <laughs> <laughs> that's a monster. It's a fictional character that's okay, meant okay. to represent our fears. Or whatever, and then a cryptid is like... What is so funny to me about an indefinite article before Dracula? <laughs> hey, Dracula. I'm losing my mind right now. <laughs> and Dracula. <laughs> you know? so, yeah. I saw a Dracula. I, I think, yeah, if anybody ever, if anybody ever said, uh, I saw a, a big blue ox, then yeah, it's a cryptid. <laughs> <laughs> I also just really adore the fact that, like, you know, you look at other folklores across the world and, you know, you think about like Scandinavian folklore and you're like, oh, they saw the fjords. They figured frost giants must have carved them with their hands. Like, right. there's a logic. There's an explanation. Meanwhile, American folklore is like, guys, big, eats butter. <laughs> flapjacks. It's a myth. Big old flapjacks. <laughs> big guy. He's a big guy. It's American. So he chop a tree. <laughs> but I think I had like a, a Paul Bunyan book, like an illustrated, you know, those big mm-hmm. kids books um, back when I was a kinder kid. And I was always just like really into looking at the illustrations and yeah, Babe the Blue Ox, just this huge motherfucker. Mm-hmm. I was like, this guy is sick. <laughs> so maybe not a cryptid, but that's all we'll, I got. We'll go with the, the regional folklore <laughs> sure. element of it, you know. Sounds more bona fide. All right. Yeah, all count right. it. Count it under the umbrella. <laughs> so what you got for your entry into this list omania here, Corey? I mean, I feel like I should just on principle say the Jersey Devil. Obviously. Because I do yeah. love the Jersey Devil and I live in New Jersey, so that feels like, you know, the obvious go-to. But the one that I love is the Chupacabra. Because yes. goat sucker. The Chupacabra. Yes. <laughs> Every time I say chupacabra, you gotta go. Yeah. Yes. Yes. yeah. Um, it just burst onto the scene, and by pure saturation, made everyone think that this was a thing that had been around forever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought the it had. chupacabra comes into play in the early '90s. What? And yes. Yeah, the early 90s oh. is the first time you'll ever hear the Chupacabra, but then you huh. saw it on Freaky Links, and then you saw it on X-Files, and people were talking about it, and you're like, oh, well, this is clearly, like, Mexican folklore that has I been thought. around forever, and it 100% was not a huh. thing before then. Oh, so my God. This is one of my favorite little, like, and if you don't know what the Chupacabra is, it's the, you know, the goat sucker. Mm-hmm. This, like, you know, this monster that feasts upon uh your livestock and whatnot and is uh, attributed as being like folklore of the southwestern united states and mexico right 
Now, there was this guy, and I, I think he was like a folklorist or an anthropologist or something like that, who wanted to get to the root of like, where the heck did this come from? Mm-hmm. And so went and started to try to like figure out, you know, where these sightings began and where they like who originated the first sighting he was kind of trying to figure out if he could track down who that person was yeah um which you know when you're talking about stuff like the jersey devil or something like that you can't do that because it's from you know the 18th century right. it's like 1733 or something so this guy went and like looked at news articles and things like that because i think he knew it was new he knew mm-hmm. this wasn't a thing that had like a long history behind it and he was like well, how can i figure out um what happened and as with any of these cryptids like if one person sees it then all of a sudden there's a rash of sightings right so yeah, like totally. there's always like oh there's a report of this and then suddenly everyone's like yeah it ate my goat too there's like like with the jersey devil it's like usually like a week-long thing where like everybody around sees it and then it disappears back into the pine barrens or whatever so he managed to track down the first person who had ever seen uh the chupacabra and sort of was talking to her about it and having her describe uh what it looked like and all this kind of stuff and over the course of this conversation he started to realize that her description of the chupacabra was like very similar to the creature from the movie species (laughs) natasha (laughs) okay (laughs) and was like out of curiosity had you seen that recently? <laughs> and the woman was like, you know, yeah, I had. Oh, my uh, God. And what he kind of determined was that this was probably essentially a nightmare she had after watching Species. Dude. And she just like it was so vivid that she was like, yeah, must I saw this real. thing. Yeah. It must have been real and started the Chupacabra. Wow. So the Chupacabra is essentially the film species made into folklore that now everyone just accepts as like some you know uh thing that is uh uh historical yeah. to the That's southwest so united stupid. states and mexico and, and it's, it's all thanks all. to like a total fucking d-rate shitty movie yeah was there a movie species oh you mean species yeah, yeah, yeah. i thought you meant, i was like is there a i haven't seen it in a long time yeah. but it wasn't yeah, very it's... good <laughs> Like what? Which would it kind of makes sense in that way too? Because this woman was in like Mexico or something uh-huh. like that. It's exactly the kind of thing that you would see on TV and dubbed in some foreign market or something like that. You know, like that's what kind of movie species is. So it makes sense that that's what she had come across, yeah. and it just got up in her head. She didn't think she was lying about it. Obviously, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, she thought she'd seen this, and then when this guy pointed it out to her, she was like, oh. Oh, huh. Huh. Yeah, I guess maybe that was what it was. (laughs) And she managed to, like, change folklore, influence folklore throughout the United States as a result of it. Man, the power of confused human beings (laughs) that just spout bullshit whenever somebody asks them a question, it really does go a long way, doesn't it? It really does. (laughs) (laughs) The moral of the story here. Well, anyway, fuck talking about cryptids. Let's get into the Mothman prophecies from the year of our Lord, 2002. This movie is not as good as I remember it. I'm not bearing the lead at all. I'm no. having similar vibes to like when we watched, um, what do we do, Steve? Was it what like lies What Lies Beneath? Beneath? Yeah, where I was oh, like, God. I remember watching this and really liking it. Then we did it for the show and I'm like, 
this actually isn't that good, but this is a movie that like still garners really high reviews from people. Like if you go on IMDb and stuff and Rotten Tomatoes and all that jazz, there's still people giving this eights and nines and tens. So yeah, there's wild. a lot of people that this connects with in a lot of ways, but maybe through the catharsis of doing this podcast, we can help you understand why this mm. movie's really not as good as you remember it and also learn a thing or two about the Mothman. How about that? Yeah. I'm excited. I love that journey for us. <laughs> when did you guys see this movie for the first time? Corey, when did you see this? You know, I think it had to have been college, which would have been shortly, I mean, a couple of years after it came out. Um, and I bought it on DVD uh, just because I, <laughs> I like, had read copy. Mothman Prophecies. And oh. I was like, yeah, I'm down this. is going to be awesome. Yeah. And similar like what with What Lies Beneath, I liked it at yep. the time. And I remember watching it several times times um and by the way what lies beneath is usually my podcast gauge i listen to the what lies beneath episode of every horror podcast Uh and depending on what they say about that movie i decide whether i'm gonna like (laughs) gonna keep listening to this that's a good yardstick right there i like that (laughs) move good move Uh, you still think this is the greatest horror movie ever made (laughs) grow up Mm, i don't know about that but yeah i remember really liking it at the time and i don't remember i feel like i might have thought it was at least spooky um you know, but I watched it again when I was in grad school in like 2012, mm-hmm. and I remember being like, "Oh no, oh no, 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 no! This is no. not how I remembered it." And that has main has been sort of how I've maintained my attitude towards this movie ever since. It really just rolls like a long form episode of the X Files minus mm-hmm. charisma. Yeah, <laughs> zero, zero <laughs> right. charisma. We, we, your leads have no um, chemistry <laughs> with yeah. one another at all in the no. slightest. I mean, like uh-uh. seriously, they even went with Richard Gere, who kind of looks like the far less sexy David Duchovny. <laughs> See, like, I think that Richard sexy. Gere looks like if you took Dustin Hoffman. And he was like the basis and a create your character in a video game. And you just like turned hunkiness up a little bit. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. A little hunkier. I just see a that. little bit. And a little taller. A little taller mm-hmm. too. Yeah. 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 Like I see it. It's interesting because Richard Gere has always been just sort of like a heartthrob. Yeah. That's a mom uh, and crush. I always just assumed that I, I like didn't like I'm like he's handsome. You know, I, I maybe he's like a relatable handsome like maybe. he looks like the best looking guy in your office yeah i see that and yeah. so i don't know maybe it's like a non-threatening kind of handsome but i just always thought it was because like he was just much older than me and now that i'm like you know old i'm still like well i don't, I don't totally get it, get it. Yeah. he's Not handsome he's handsome so i i as a uh, teen you know um you go through the whole am i attractive mm. like mm-hmm. what like where do I fit in this universe? Sure. Like, uh, <laughs> Brad Pitt's out there. I don't look like him. So am I Am I okay? Uh, it was It was really examining Richard Gere that, that, <laughs> that helped me out a lot because I, I would hear that he was handsome and then I look at him and he looks like my grandmother. Yeah, you're like, eh, eh. Yeah. <laughs> so... I was like, I want to uh, see a picture of your grandmother really badly. Oh, she's she's a <laughs> handsome woman. Uh, <laughs> Too I, I just thought, like, well, if he looks like my grandmother, I know I'm a better looking dude than my grandmother. So, so that's it. Really yeah. I feel solid here. I'm okay. Um, I, I, I was that. really appreciative of Richard Gere 
It was Richard Gere and a few other guys that are called handsome that are, it was just like, oh, okay, if he's handsome, I'm all right. If that's my competition, <laughs> I'm all right. I got it. Yeah. It was a, a thing where a, a few times in Russia, people would ask if I had seen Mothman prophecies because I would tell them, like, you know, I like horror movies and stuff. And so when I got back in um, 2005, I was like, all right, I'll check that out. And I did. And I immediately was like, I don't under what? <laughs> Why? Yeah. Because, <laughs> like, I knew the Mothman, and I was like, so this is going to be about the Mothman, right? This movie is not about the Mothman. No, not really. It's not about the Mothman. No. <laughs> it's like the Mothman is like like in a Quest for the Holy Grail. Sir, not appearing in this film. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I want to make a meme for our Instagram page that's like, you know, like the oops all berries, like Captain uh -huh. Crunch. I want to do oops all conversations <laughs> contains 100% less Mothman. Because seriously, man, this movie peaks out so early like you get the mothman within the first like five minutes of the movie and then i think the most that you see him past that is like in transitions in mm -hmm. the fucking transitions yeah. where it's like see this road it's the mothman <laughs> see this piece of toast it's the mothman <laughs> like imagine if this was like a freddy krueger movie and you saw freddy once in the first 10 minutes and then the rest of the flick all he served to do is like slash through the screen to cue up the next scene like that's so stupid yeah it is Except I kind of love that as a bit. I mean, <laughs> maybe I'd be okay with it. Bitch, and he just slashes through yeah. into the next scene. It would be a real funny, like... And everyone just goes oh. on with their lives. Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, anyway. Ooh. Conversation time. Yeah, a lot of talking, and this is a true talkie. I'll tell you that. <laughs> it is. It is. It's directed by Mark Pellington, who is most well-known for directing the Jeremy video. <gasps> he spoke in oh, class today. That is a badass video, man. That was one of my childhood favorites. Yeah, he, it is he good. directed a lot of really um, uh, cool videos throughout the '90s and stuff. He directed uh, Rooster, Allison Chain's video. Oh, oh wow, awesome, cool. So um, I looked through his IMDb though, and I was kind of like, oh, I don't, I don't know any of these movies. This is the only <laughs> one I've ever seen. Um, but it, I, I would say that he's he's a competent director for sure. It's, yeah, sure. Uh, but there are definitely some signs of his uh, music video past. I think yeah. so. Yeah. Like it's those super stylized, stylized transitions like yeah. and stuff. Yeah, for sure, man. Yeah, I'm with you. It's competently directed and stuff. I'm not going to talk shit about the way it looks or anything like that. He did fine. I it's mean, there's weird choices. There are. Yeah, there's directorially. There are. Directorially? Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> like, there's, and I don't want to jump ahead of anything here, but if we're talking about the director here, one of the things that gets me throughout this movie is, like, the way people speak to each other. <laughs> That's um, kind of a big part of most movies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, by that, I mean, like, kind of like the block, like, the way yes. they physically speak to each it's other. Oh, Okay. It's so uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. the, one of the earliest moments I noticed this is when Richard Gere is talking to uh, Will Patton. Yeah, Gordon. Um, mm -hmm. And they are outside on the street. And basically, you know, the only interaction that they've had so far is is Will Patton With a like, gun. in his, his house. Yeah. yeah. And now he's like coming up and he's basically trying to like make up with him or whatever. But he stands like inches from his face and is like <laughs> whispering to him conspiratorially yeah. and you're like there is no one anywhere near you on this street why are you 
Why are you talking yeah. to him like this? <laughs> you don't need to. You don't need to whisper. No one can hear you. It makes it more Back intimate. Away from his face, buddy. Yeah. Yeah, but how else will the other person know that you mean it if you're not right up <laughs> in their grill, breathing into their mouth? Come on. <laughs> Right. Which Intimacy. is I, maybe I notice these kinds of things more in the age of COVID where oh, I'm just like, no you're shit. too close. That may have you're... been it for me, Back too. Up. Yeah. <laughs> it was, it was, it was a lot of weird like, choices like that, that. Too close and no mask? What are you doing? Yeah, what are you doing? That's Pass. absurd and unsafe, sir. Back up. <laughs> <laughs> He's got a bubble. But also, too, it. like that, that obvious, you know, kind of X-Files feel that this is going for yeah. is just kind of odd considering that by this point, the X-Files is done, right? Uh, yeah, a couple months after this, it ended. So it's like really late to the party. Yeah, it's like um, it was already past X-Files Prime, too. Like people were like kind of uh, getting tired of the show. Mulder left. Um, it it kind of yeah. it was one of those two where. I've talked about it before. The X-Files had the problem of you had to watch every episode and that what it wasn't streaming. It wasn't as simple as it right. is now. So a lot of people kind of slowly dropped off because they'd miss an episode and it would be like, I don't know what's happening. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So yeah, this is a weird, weird time to try to mimic the X-Files with yeah. a couple of people who don't have that chemistry at all. Yeah. I mean, that's the the entire vibe in this. So it takes place in this small town of Point Pleasant, West Virginia. And the vibe of the town is exactly... It's like you're seeing it through Richard Gere's character's eyes. He's like this DC reporter mm -hmm. who's this, From you know, very... Exactly. This, yeah, big city dude coming in here. And everyone in the town seems weird and creepy. And, you know, this is... This kind of caricature is why I always feel like West Virginia is in the South. Right. But it borders Ohio. The whole mm -hmm. movie right. is about this place bordering Ohio. Yep. Um, and so it's got this like this weird deliverancey feel about people in it. Like, you know, these uh, creepy townspeople who you can't trust and who don't trust you. Yeah. Uh, and then Richard Gere... And Laura Linney, who are ostensibly our leads here, are supposed to be kind of like romantic-y with each other. There's supposed to be some sort of chemistry between them. And they're like in two different worlds. <laughs> yeah, right. You know, like they don't overlap at all in what in their personalities and the way that they interact with each other. It's bizarre. And there's just no like on-screen chemistry between them and then you also just like step back and you're like what are these two people's jobs like laura lane's the worst cop ever like there's <laughs> like robberies done. going on in town there's people running through red lights and yeah. stuff and she's like i gotta hang out with richard gear today guys we gotta I'm figure out, out yeah. this mothman shit obviously yeah. that's their tax dollars at work y'all like people are paying their tax dollars for laura lindy to hang out with richard gear come on and they're paying their subscription fees to a print media for him to just <laughs> hang out in West Virginia. This movie is, is like, I can't imagine in 2002 that nobody brought this up, but it's like a relic now. And it's yeah. just 18, 19 years later. So it, it's all 
phones, landlines, like yeah. no cell phones. And X Files yeah. had cell phones. <laughs> yeah, the entire and it's key time. to the plot that it's it's all landlines. You know, like things happening through these landlines. It's almost like remarked upon. It's so yes. It's so central to it that it makes it more obvious to you that this doesn't make any sense. Exactly. But then when I started thinking about the Mothman with his little mothy arms and stuff, like dialing a phone <laughs> to make these calls, it really did make me laugh. I was thinking yeah. about like Tammy and the T-Rex with the T-Rex like dialing the phone and stuff. <laughs> At the payphone. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and it's like, that's what the Mothman was doing. Like he was having to find random payphones. Maybe he had to wait there while some guy was having like an argument with his girlfriend on the phone or something. <laughs> it's like, can't hardly wait with the angel stripper. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Standing outside, banging on the door. It's nice you and think? silly when you think about the Mothman making a phone call, holding it up to his little mothy face. Come on, it's fun. <laughs> I, the, which also reminds me of one of my favorite moments in this when someone is analyzing the the sound coming through, and it's like, yeah. this is not made with human vocal cords. <laughs> you can tell that? Can you, really? How can you tell that? Really? <laughs> we, well, we have a whole, but we got a dolphin talking, we got this dog. <laughs> reciting Shakespeare. We compared it. It's similar Nothing to like this at all. What? <laughs> um, so, Boy, okay, so back back on the relic bit, uh, the other thing that it is, it's like, he, he works in journalism uh, in 2002, and it's just like, this is, it's already clear print media is like going out the door, but he's sure. making so much money that he and Deborah Messing buy a house on a whim. Just like, well, we saw this room. We almost fucked in the closet. It's ours. I want it. I think that's like a you break it, you buy it rule where it's like, if you fuck in the closet, you you have to buy the house. You have to commit to purchasing the home, yeah. (laughs) It's just the rules. You've recently uh, sold a home. Yeah. So you know how uh, simple and quick those decisions are, right? Absolutely so. But here's the thing that you don't know is like, you know, back in the 70s, they'd advertise a house with the sunroom, and that was a big selling point. People would want to see it. They'd be interested right away because they wanted that Florida room, that sunroom feel. Back in the early 2000s, the big trend was fuck closets, <laughs> and they advertised that this home had an immaculate fuck closet with room for two. They heard about it. They were interested. They are like, we love fuck closets. They had and to try price, it out. at this price, a steal. Yeah. At that price, it's a steal. Come on. Yeah. Uh, yes, I mean I do remember on MTV Cribs everybody would be like, and of course here's the fuck this closet. Is, this yeah. is where here's the, the magic closet. happens. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's such a weird scene. Mm-hmm. And again, this is a the prom- problem of chemistry in this movie in general too, and like the relationships between people making no sense. Right. That these two just like come in here coming hot you know and like this is why what is the relationship between them all we know about them the entirety of the character development here is a they could not like wait a few minutes and like tour the rest of the house they had to have sex in the closet right then and then (laughs) they're so eager to have sex again like 20 minutes later that they get into a car accident (laughs) (laughs) it's like and not a sexy car crash either Maybe we can kill a few kids in this neighborhood. (laughs) (laughs) Well, then the thing is, too, is that's all led up to during that intro scene where Richard Gere is like in his office and stuff, and it's intercut with like scenes of. Uh, of Grace from Will and Grace, like putting on sexy lipstick and fucking powdering her nose, being like, Richard Gere's like, I gotta leave. I got a sex wife at home. A sex wife, yeah. (laughs) 
She's a wife who sexes me. It's like, what is happening here? The thing, the real problem for me is that, like, there's an emotional core of this movie that is about a man grieving and, like, he's dealing with loss and stuff. And the movie fails at, like, really showing us that. Like, the moment when he finally does break down and says he misses his wife doesn't hit because we forget throughout that any of that matters that she ever existed yeah (laughs) yeah because seriously like it's within the first five minutes of the movie it's like oh we're fucking in a closet we're driving through a neighborhood irresponsibly oh i'm off man i'm fucking dead It's like, wow, that didn't take long at all. No. And that it's unrelated to the Mothman that she dies right. just makes it even worse. Yeah. <laughs> like, there's no, she just happens to see the Mothman, but she has brain tumors. Actually, the yeah, Mothman may cool have been a hero. He was like, girl, yeah. go get like, your brain tumor Go fixed. to the hospital. <laughs> yeah. Never... <laughs> I'm trying to crash your car so you'll go get checked out. Your brain is fucked. <laughs> we're just trying to help. You got a good point there. Hadn't thought about that. <laughs> Which actually does in its own way line up a little bit with the actual Mothman folklore which I'm sure we'll get into but (laughs) the idea of him maybe being like a harbinger instead of uh, something to fear yeah you You might be right that that mythology so (laughs) but they didn't tell us that they never at any point talk too much about the Mothman they really do it's almost like it's almost like Richard Gere throughout is like all right let's keep the Mothman talk down injured cold give me more (laughs) Mothman don't want to hear exactly yeah, for real though, man. It's just like within the first few minutes, you get this this Mothman showing up flying at the car, which which looks pretty bad. Yeah, to be it honest, looks it looks terrible. like like a paper cutout that they just <laughs> zoomed in on really fast, and it's like Mothman. <laughs> but also, too, now that I think about it, what was the Mothman doing over there? Doesn't he hang out at Point Pleasant? How did he get all the way over there? That what's he doing? Well, it's... they do mention that like sightings in uh, Ukraine and and all these yeah. other things. Like, I don't know if we're I mean, at the end, at the end of this, like after watching it three times, uh, I was like, "Oh, I think this is really more about mental illness and grief, and like, there's no real, actual, Mothman or anything." Right. But it's like the movie never—you have to watch it three times to get that. Like the first time you watch it through, you're just like, "Ugh." Second time you watch it through, you're like, "Eh." Third time you're like, "I guess I gotta talk about this." <laughs> I'm on a podcast yeah. now. Oh, I think the reason why she saw the Mothman though is they were speeding through that neighborhood irresponsibly, and she was like just thinking about what a good time they had in that fuck closet. And they saw that moth, remember, uh-huh. up on the light in the closet. She's like, I saw a moth. Then I had sex with the man. Oh, my brain tumor. A Mothman. <laughs> right? Yes. It has to be it. Yeah, that's that's got to be it. It's as plausible as anything, to be honest with you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know. And then she spends her time in the hospital. Um, according to her to her mystical nurse, drawing pictures of angels. What the fuck does this guy think angels look like? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it just it raises more questions than it answers, that's for sure. Yeah, but of course it's not like, you know, a, a horror movie without a mystical nurse, right? Uh, Naturally. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and they, they do Jesus this a God. lot where it, he's a black character. They also, yeah. it's obviously implied that he's not very smart because he thinks this is an angel. And it's like, so the <sighs> character is magical. He can sense yeah. things because he's black. 
Like a magical Negro, yeah. if you will. So yeah. it's not that he doesn't have the book smarts, <laughs> right? But yeah, he I, has I may the not have learned much, smarts. but I can see spirits around you, white man. Like that's yeah. It's I don't understand the point of it at, in the eighties. So in two thousand two, dude, for a real, brief moment even. Like you don't even need that. You you yeah. show a doctor mm-hmm. coming in and being like she was uh, drawing these pictures. We're not sure what it was about. Like right, you don't need to fall back on this old shitty trope. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially when, as you said, the movie isn't really about the Mothman. No, it's you know it is about like mental illness and yeah. grief and things like that. So really, by adding this this magical Negro to add legitimacy to the spiritual element of it. Like that's you don't need it because no. that's not the point. The, the spiritual element of it is it may or may not be real. Exactly. So right. <laughs> why do we need this guy? And then right. f- for some reason, his outline while standing in the door at the hospital is relevant later. <laughs> oh, there's a hole in a wall. I remember a guy that stood just like that that was put inside of this wall one time. Like what (laughs) like why why is he there and then the real mystery here is how is she getting these art supplies into the hospital it's like dude you're in like the brain trauma fucking brain tumor cancer ward and you're like nurse bring me the charcoals the pain is too much and just (laughs) imagine stuff like you you work for the company doing the the set deck or the props or whatever and they're like all right can you do like some mothman stuff and you're like fuck yeah i've been building up my (laughs) whole life to draw the mothman like super cool does it and then they're like yeah this was just some lady in a hospital like from her (laughs) brain she came up with this and it's like that was years of art school what are you talking about (laughs) just do some scribbles this really violent scribbling is really more what we're after here yeah it really would have been like if if it had just been a uh like it never establishes she's artistic if it had established no. that, it would have been like, okay, fine. But it never establishes that. All it does is just show us these pictures that look legit cool and then yeah. say she did it. And it's like, well, that. It should look like, remember that, like, when the people were seeing the leprechaun around that neighborhood a few years yeah. ago? Yeah. Someone drew, like, a sketch of it. Like. Yeah, that's, that's what, what it should, should look, look like. like. She just, like, kind of <laughs> sketches out, like, a stick Mothman kind of thing. And it's like, oh. Yeah, with, like, Rose Art cranes. Yeah. Not even, like, real ones. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, basically, the rest of the movie, Deborah Messing. Okay, here's the thing. They went all the way to get fucking Grace and Will and Grace in this movie. And then... 90% of her in this movie is a uh, photograph of her in a bathing suit that he keeps looking yeah. at. <laughs> like, yeah. that is her role in this movie, is to be in a photograph. <laughs> yeah. And which he then, like, weirdly shoves in Laura Linney's face at one point, yes. too, and she's like, bro. Did you see this woman? What? You saw this woman. <laughs> like, um, I don't know. She's wearing more clothes. Yeah. <laughs> and this, seriously, this is the height of Will and Grace. Like, they just had... <laughs> Their yeah. uh, biggest season of their third, it was their third season. It was their biggest season yet. They had been moved to Thursdays. Like, she is big at this point. And yeah. you just have her in for a few minutes. Just, just, to... I mean, they could have set up the story in this and his grief and all of that better yeah. if you had never seen her. Exactly. Uh, you know, by bringing her in the way that they did and just having this, like, 
when we started the movie, I said to him, like, uh, my husband was like, oh, Deborah Messing, when he saw her mm-hmm. in the um, opening titles. And I was like, yeah, she's basically just, like, in it for, like, a weird sex scene. Mm-hmm. That's pretty much it. And that's how I, like, remember her character. I'm like, I guess she's in it, like, slightly longer than that. But, like, that's... They had Deborah Messing. Yeah. If you had <laughs> yeah. just not had her in there and you had this guy remembering some vague idea of a wife that we don't know anything about we could have at least imagined a relationship for them that was very deep exactly yeah (laughs) you could have also uh, established a deeper tension by not having that and having him basically slowly reveal that that's what happened Mm -hmm. and that's why he's obsessed with this and that's why this is all like that's why he's unraveling exactly and then when he does like say that it's about his loss and missing his his wife it would hit hard and you'd be like totally. oh and again you don't have to bring Deborah messing in for any reason because yeah. why <laughs> like i'm not you the... probably just wasted millions of dollars yeah on that for 10 no minutes reason of... yeah this yeah. the budget on this is too high for the terrible cgi and low-key acting that you get i just don't understand but you know her random artistic abilities that she attains by being visited by the mothman falls in line with also all the other I guess, seemingly random effects that people have whenever the Mothman visits them. Like, sometimes you bleed out your nose or out your ears or sometimes you bleed out your eyeballs and the blood come out of her whatever, as the president once said, right? Oh, God. Oh. What a reminder. Yeah, ex- excuse me. I'd hope I'd get the president. art skills, but I'd probably get the blood out the whatever. Yeah, yeah, for me too. Dang it. Like, Why is my ass bleeding? <laughs> I lost the, the Mothman, Mothman lottery. Mothman. <laughs> Yeah, it just seems to be like just random imagine effects. You like you go outside, you you look out your window, you see the Mothman, you're like, oh, fuck, God damn hemorrhoids damn again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Although I do like that scene in the movie with the woman who's telling the story about when she saw him and stuff. That's kind of cool. Yeah. I think that's actually again, it just feels like a well done X Files scene to me, right. honestly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> it's just the whole movie is so baffling it to is. me. Yeah. Because, I mean, you're taking a story that is interesting and making it less interesting and in everything about the execution in it. I will say, though, like, at least parts of the final scene with the Silver Bridge work. Yeah. You know, That's and true. there are people throughout this, there are like the Will Patton's character throughout this. I mean, he's that right. guy, he's one of those actors who it doesn't matter what he's in, he's going to, like, he's going to do his part yep. and he's going to show up. Mm hmm. Totally, uh, and he absolutely does throughout this entire movie. He does, and you're right. There, there are effective parts in here. You know, like I, I do think that bridge scene at the end is is very nicely tense. There is some shitty CG that kind of steps in the way right there, yeah. as well as like, man, another huge problem that I have, not just with this movie, but any movie, is that I think there's like five recorded screams in existence. There's the <laughs> Wilhelm, ah! and then there's like four other ones. Yeah. And this movie kind of uses all of them. Like, there's one scream in here that I know is in the title credits of Ah Real Monsters. Is that one that sounds like a guy falling down a well? He's like, and it's in here. And it's just like, anytime I hear a scream that I know, that's not a Wilhelm. Wilhelm gets the free pass. It's like, oh, they put one in there. That's cool. Uh, But anytime I hear any of those other, like, canned screams, I'm just like, come the fuck on. Like, was there nobody on set that they could could record? Yeah, like, nobody? You couldn't bring someone into the studio afterwards and be like, hey, can you do a couple screams for me? Hey, Deb, you only did uh, a couple scenes. Can we have you just come in and scream for us? (laughs) 
I mean, we paid no, you I'm a ton of money. I'm just going to hit up Apple Loops. Don't worry about it. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. I found this free library on YouTube. I'll just grab some stuff from there. So lame. I think that also, too, like the scene where, um, you know, he's on the phone with the Marth man and he's like, pop quiz, hot shot. What's in my pocket and stuff like that. Like, that's a scene that I think about when I think about the Mothman prophecies. And for some reason, that's one of those scenes, too. Like, Steve and I have talked extensively about how, like, random movie quotes just became part of our vernacular for no fucking reason. And uh, me and my friend Mitch, old Flat Earth Mitch Trueblood that we talk about frequently, Mm -hmm. there was a long period there where, like, we would just call each other and the first thing we'd say would be... Chapstick. (laughs) (laughs) Like, for some reason... That was the thing that we took from this movie is chapstick. And that scene is like kind of good, but it's also like kind of stupid. Yeah. I feel like everything is overwrought and that's Mm -hmm. the problem here where you're like, that kind of works. And then it like, it's too big. Way too big. It gets too big for itself. Yeah. Like, oh, no, I got it. You didn't need to like punch me in the face and be like, did you see that? Did you right. hear that? I think one of the other moments like that is, um, you know, after, um, what is Will Patton's character's name? Uh, Gordon. Uh, Gordon, yeah. Gordon? Uh-huh. He, um, you know, he's had some sort of prophecy um, <laughs> regarding like the number 99, you know, right. and, and something about that. And uh, they're sitting in a diner and on the TV, it comes on that there's been this plane crash and the plane is like flight nine and 99 people have died in it. And it's this moment where, you know, Gordon's sitting at the table and John runs over across the, the diner. He turns the TV up yeah. so that you can hear it. <laughs> and then he looks back and, the, you know, the music swells and you see him give this look at Gordon and Gordon give this look back. And like, yeah, no, you could have like, we could have just glanced over, yeah. seen That'd the TV, <laughs> and then they looked at each other and, you know, have a moment of like, oh, fuck. Oh, but, shit. Whoa. Yeah. But yeah. instead, it was just so much bigger than it had to be to the point of corniness. Totally. It's like they were that close to being like, that's the prophecy of the Mothman. It's the Mothman's prophecy. It's the name of the movie. Then the Mothman pops forward and it's the next scene. (laughs) He comes out of like a a French toast that's in the diner and is like, I think we should probably get to, I mean, talking about the Mothman itself. Yeah, because this is a totally, I mean, basically word-for-word account of what really happened, right? They didn't really change anything from what I understand. It's definitely not, you know, set almost 40 years (laughs) after the stuff that actually happened for no fucking reason. Why is it this in the 60s? I don't, like, because, like, the 60s are cool, too, right? Right? Like, who doesn't want to set a movie in the 60s? Nothing... There's nothing interesting about 2002. No. You know, like, we're <laughs> this is basically just post 9-11, everything is trash world. Yeah, pretty much. So why wouldn't you want to go back to the 1960s and, like, be like, let's deal with, like, that. Right. But, you know, the actual Mothman prophecies is, you know, it takes place in 1967, and these people in town um, start having these sightings. There's, like, this... Uh, area in town called the TNT area and you know teens are going out there and they're like uh, you know making out and all that kind of stuff and they're seeing this giant moth creature and this girl you know Connie Carpenter who weirdly they use her name but on a character that is completely unrelated to who Hmm. she actually was Um, she's like a teenage girl who was walking home from church 
and saw the Mothman and then suffered from like her eyes were like burning and itching and red and oh, stuff for like two okay. weeks and she was like traumatized by this um and you have like all of these different sightings going on around this town um and people aren't sure exactly what to to make of this right yeah. <laughs> like there's like the sheriff or the deputy gets involved with this and is like listen the people who've been having these sightings are like legit people these aren't people who would lie about something like this and then he sees it himself and laura linney's character is basically a composite of two characters so okay. this you know police officer um who his name was um halstead millard halstead mm, um and this other name. character who was a local journalist um who her name was mary hire and you had asked earlier about like like why would john keel like did these guys like ufologist type people just like come into these towns and be like let's exploit whatever weird things going on in here and take it back and tell my my buddies up in in new york or whatever um but he actually had like a relationship with mary hire not like a romantic relationship but they were friends oh, and okay. you know were familiar with each other and she wrote a, a column a local newspaper column that was about like kind of weird things that happened in the town and local folklore she was a person that you would go to as the town historian essentially she knew everything about point pleasant okay again i don't know why they chose to turn her into this cop because <laughs> when you're asking like why doesn't she ever seem to have to go to work like this makes sense if this is a journalist <laughs> right. whose job makes is sense to <laughs> figure stuff out like this um and so she and the uh the deputy would uh, halstead they would actually go out together and like go and search for the mothman and for other sorts of um weird things that people were seeing because it wasn't okay. just the mothman yeah. um people there's were like seeing... ufo sightings or some shit too right yeah there's yeah. like ufos this injured cold character who appears to this guy woody Derenberger who you know these he's are, driving these are home. fake names these are all fake names i know yeah. the names are absurd <laughs> <laughs> woody darenberger woody darenberger and yeah it Mothman's sounds like the I'm only just... one that makes sense to me <laughs> yeah, i'm just spouting out names that sound vaguely appalachian <laughs> yes. and hoping you buy it <laughs> it's working i'm like yeah okay yeah probably yeah, 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 no, millard totally. sounds right yeah he was driving home again these are such interesting stories and it's insane that this doesn't use them yeah he was driving home and uh, he was coming to this junction and saw like a spaceship in front of him that he described as being shaped like a, a chimney, like basically like it's sort of a round hourglassy kind of looking thing. Okay. Um, mm -hmm. a, like a chimney stove, I think it was called. But he sees this craft in front of him and it like hovers and stops and he like hears someone talking to him in his head. And they're like, oh, don't worry, don't be afraid. He's like, Damn. um, I'm afraid. <laughs> right. He's like, your voice is in my head. And then this dude steps out of it and like comes up to the car and is like, hey, like tries to have like a conversation with him. And he's like, you can talk out loud or you can talk to me telepathically. I'll hear you either way. You know, and he's like, OK, whoa, they like become friends. <laughs> and he takes him to his planet Lanulos and all this kind of stuff. Whoa, like what? there's like this whole thing that goes along with that. And other people supposedly see Indrid Cold and his companions that come and they're from like another race that's basically exactly like humans, but 
have like figured their shit out and they don't have like war or capitalism or anything like that and they just live See. better and woody derenberger's like he's trying to help us they're trying to like help us live better help down her. here he should have told him this is the future the liberals want <laughs> oh no <laughs> yeah yeah and the like funny thing about this story is like this is just like some dude like old dude from west virginia like this stodgy church man who all of a sudden turns into like this weird hippie guy when he interact injured cold so all of this stuff happens and then the silver bridge collapses and there's like these things where like mary hire had said she had had dreams about yeah. like the presence floating in the water like in the movie you know mm -hmm. that laura linney's character says like I had these dreams about presence floating in the water. Supposedly several other people in town had had the same dream. So there's what like the this hell? convergent phenomena of That's people creepy. having this same dream that manifests when the silver bridge collapses. Hmm. Um, and so the Mothman becomes this, it's this question of like, is, was he here to warn us? Like has, was he coming here trying to communicate to people uh, that something was about to happen, but he, you know, couldn't quite get that across. Okay. You've also got, like, John Keel had a lot of theories about what any kind of sighting was, where he didn't necessarily believe that extraterrestrials were a thing in the, like, non-Earth space aliens thing. Okay. He talked about things called ultra-terrestrials, and about this thing that he called the super spectrum, which later on in his life he was like, I never meant that literally, but <laughs> what he was talking about was this idea that there is in existence at the same time that we are living this super spectrum that we cannot see of other beings and things like that. Wow. And so we are unable to see that kind of like how we can't see certain forms of light. Sure. Right? I, I always, uh, I look at this as I was explaining this to someone else, like how um, the color magenta doesn't really exist. It's the way that our eyes fill in this gap for how we can't process this part of the light spectrum. Right, and yeah. so we create magenta that way um, as a filler. Mm -hmm. And so he's basically saying this super spectrum exists where we can't access that. Um, some people can, he says. There are people who manage to have like these sort of extra sensory perception if you will um that managed to uh interact with that okay now wait uh, a second i've heard of this they're born with like a high uh count of those uh those those <laughs> midi chlorians that's the word right yeah, that's the i've heard about this <laughs> Precisely. So there's these people called Jedi, and <laughs> they can see into. Um, but they, yeah. So some people are more sensitive to what's going on in that other realm, and that's why some people see UFOs and have all these kinds of experiences. But ultimately, what he says about this is that we create everything that's going on in the super yeah. spectrum. That wow. we are part of the process of creating these aliens and UFOs and things like that around us. Uh, and that, you know, they manifest to us just as we sort of manifest them. Hmm. And so in a sense, like with Mothman coming and all this, all these things that people were seeing, like maybe this is a way in which people are processing something, some form of intuition, something like that. Hmm. Uh, and through this super spectrum, they're manifesting something that is a physical warning or a, wow. a physical way of discussing what is about to happen. Oh, wow. 
in this town. If that's the case, I'm real excited to see all these flying ninjas I dream <laughs> up all the time. I want to see them throwing them ninja stars mm-hmm. flying through there, doing some chops and using their nunchucks and <laughs> flying. I'm excited about that right there. I'll tell you what. But honestly, John Keel would kind of be like, yeah, that might, Maybe. might happen. happen. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, you might manifest like you. These things appear to people in shapes that they recognize. So like these... Um, spacecraft and things like that these ufos don't look the same to everyone people's uh reporting are often different from one another and it might be just because of how you are manifesting the energy from this super spectrum of these these ultra terrestrials so it's really like it's an interesting story that i think everyone everyone believed it which i do think this movie gets right the people who are reporting this, I have no doubt they thought that they were seeing things. I mean, right. there's always going to be hoaxers and whatnot, but there are people whose lives were ruined by this. You know, people who Damn. their marriages broke up and all this stuff because of um, these sightings. So people really thought this was happening to them. Um, and, you know, that had a lot of ramifications for this like very economically depressed area the silver bridge collapsed it cut them off from ohio and therefore everything sort of collapsed in that area and they took on the mothman for many people as sort of a um a symbol for the area you know something that was there to help them and it later on years later when they brought in the mothman festival and whatnot helped to rejuvenate the town and bring money back into the town so it's a it's a really interesting you know story and for some reason i don't know what form the script was in when it got to john keel initially but he really liked the script of Mothman Prophecies when he read it. He was like, they really get what this is about. I you do have some info on that, because I know Richard yeah. Hatem, uh, his first attempts at the script were very, very close to the book. Like, extremely. And Mark Pellington wanted to change that. So yep. I'm assuming, yeah, that John Keel had read something earlier that was way closer to his book. Yeah, that was closer to it. And he, like, you know, when he talked about it to his editor and whatnot, he was like, yeah, I mean, it's different. They made me married. Like, you know, things like that. That's like... <laughs> yeah, because he was a, he was a bachelor, it. right? Yeah, he was a lifelong bachelor mm-hmm. who apparently dated around quite a bit, but uh, never never settled down. Um, and it, it's interesting, though, but he really did think that the psychological element of it was what was important. Yeah. That's about cool. the book and you know that i think that's why he kind of was like yeah i gave the green light to mothman prophecies because that is it that's kind of the center of it is it's about the psychology of these people sure. it just i don't think it does it super well not not very <laughs> well executed i would say i wonder yeah. like so for me this is um because I, I grew up loving uh ufo stuff and uh cryptids and anything that, Anything that was not reality, because yeah. reality sucks. Uh, so as a kid, I was super obsessed with these things. And then like now as an adult, when I look back on that type of thinking and I and I think about how it has morphed now because of the existence of cell phones with cameras on them. People don't tell these stories very often mm. anymore. Um, and it would seem like, oh, you'd have so many more because it's so easy to fake stuff. But because right. it's so easy to fake stuff, it's also so easy to figure out things are fake. Yeah. Or to assume they are, you know, yeah. like even if you could show me something that it's like, this is completely undoctored, whatever. And I'd be like, 
bullshit. Is it? Is yeah. it? Nothing's no. undoctored. Yeah. <laughs> I saw a deep fake of the queen at Christmas. Like, <laughs> come on. Yeah. So, like, it, it's become QAnon. Like, yeah. this type of thinking and these type of, like, people looking for others to take seriously the ramblings that they have the the experiences they have that probably have to do with uh you know either drug use or or uh psychological situations things going on that they can't control they're not doing anything wrong but they're being treated seriously and right. by treating them seriously a lot of people are falling into modes of thought that are similar to this that led to things like the satanic panic and now we're getting our own thanks to Lil Nas X. Yeah. Yay. <laughs> Yay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and awesome that he did that. But uh, yeah. it's also revealing again that these modes of thought, they always find an outlet. And mm -hmm. I miss when the outlet was a Mothman. And yeah, not, right, more exactly. Not uh, like not marginalized Hillary Clinton's babies. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, I think you're you're totally right. And when you look at like what John Keel was doing, I mean, obviously there was plenty of skepticism to go around at, mm -hmm. at the time, but also people like John Keel and the people he surrounded himself with took themselves very seriously and they saw themselves as kind of scholars of this stuff and they were wary of being hoaxed. And, you know, he was... Uh, surrounding this like injured cold thing and everything that the, someone did manage to get a hoax by him and he was distraught at what that did to his credibility this person who claimed to have seen these men in black which also don't like the movie is missing out on this entire mythology of the men in black and i was gonna ask um, about that yeah like i i remember reading that there was all kinds of people that were just like oh some fucking kids are making out in the car and a man in black bangs on their on their hood and right. was like have you seen a mothy man around exactly. here and they're like we're just trying to make out sir so yeah. that was a thing you know, that, that happened trying to silence people about the yeah. mothman and you know stalking people and uh, all this stuff regarding all of that um, that doesn't make it into this movie. I forgot where I was going with that thought. <laughs> <laughs> but it just seems like it's kind of like a cool B story that could have been going on. Yeah. As far as just like, okay, what is this creature and why are these people here? Yeah. Um, I remember where my thought was going. Awesome. It yeah. was about this, the, they thought themselves scientists thing. They, they were trying to, you know, uh, to disprove things and prove things and like really look at this from like a really scientific angle yeah yeah um and so like i think when you're talking about now how this stuff is like morphed into your QAnon type thing it came from they had an attitude john keel certainly had an attitude of like um contrarianism that he didn't like authorities telling him what he should and shouldn't believe right. what he should study things like that he absolutely was like that but with this scientific core where he thought that stuff, you know, could be uncovered and proved and that he had seen things and other people had seen things that were, you know, he thought could be proved as opposed to sort of the thread that that has carried into now becomes like, you cannot trust anything anyone says uh, unless they are in on the conspiracy too. Like, you know, yeah. like the only people who are telling you the truth are the ones who are seeing aliens right. and, you know, all this stuff. Now, I'm just saying, I don't know much about this John Keel feller, but between all this psychedelic spectrum stuff and him telling you, you don't tell me what to believe, I believe what I see myself, all that jazz, I'm just saying, 
He does remind me of some guy that fucking has lectured me a hundred times over about how awesome Tool is. <laughs> oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. And he's like, man, you ever heard this Joe Rogan podcast? Yes. Oh, God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, I met that guy. He would I'm definitely sure. be on the Joe Rogan podcast, and Joe Rogan would be like, yeah, 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 man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> Joe Rogan would absolutely believe in the super yep. spectrum after that, you know, it. One thousand percent. Yeah, I mean, he would be in that posse of people, I'm sure, or adjacent to them. But he was also very um, critical of like mainstream ufologists, if you can mm-hmm. think of that as a thing. Right. Uh, so he also probably would have thought that like the you know conspiracy led alien people now um, were a bunch of assholes on top of it because he <laughs> you know he just he would have no time for that. He would have no time for their. Uh, total credulity right. about everything and and accepting stuff. He'd be like, "What the fuck is wrong with you people? Like you're getting hoaxed constantly. Pay better attention to this." But yeah, I think he'd have a, a touch of the libertarian Joe Rogan-iness in him. <laughs> so he's, he point. seems kind of like an inspiration in some ways for Mulder, uh, who you yeah, know Fox yeah. Mulder is just he wants to believe, but he's extremely yeah. skeptical. It's yeah, he's he's got that uh that Mulder before Mulderness yeah. to him. Uh and this is none of the things that Richard Gere is in this movie. Right. <laughs> he believes you don't everything. get any of that personality. Every <laughs> single person he meets, they tell him something, he's, he's like, like, Okay, yes, that is yeah. established mm-hmm. truth. Probably right. Obviously. <laughs> that is a fact. Uh-huh. Um, in this town full of shady ass people, like everybody in this town is so deliberately weird. Like, even when he takes his car to the mechanic and he's like, well, what do I owe you? And the guy's like, I told you, I couldn't find anything wrong with it. And then he gives him this, like, look up and down, yeah, like, like huh? what the fuck does this mean? Like, even the mechanics are strange, man. <laughs> yeah, it's very, it's super weird. How I just, I'm annoyed by that. I, yeah. I never liked that sort of caricature of, like, oh, you're your liberal out-of-towner and your weird hicks thing, or you're just like, eh. A tale as old as time. It is annoying, <laughs> too, because, like, uh, you know, the more the more you know country folk, the more you know, like, oh, no, they'd be really sweet to an out-of-towner or whatever. Right. You know, being from the South, I, I instantly, like, reading about Keel, I was like, is this... Is this a carpetbagger? Is this a guy coming right. from New York City to exploit all these people and just be like you know here's somebody with schizophrenia in west virginia but you won't fly to west virginia to go ask him questions and find out he has schizophrenia so i'm safe um but yeah it's nice to find out that he he had more actual connection to the people and was really trying to believe but also trying to be skeptical i i, I like to yeah. hear that because this movie does not present a character it like doesn't that. play it that way at mm-hmm. all and he would bring people from new york down too. like he brought fellow researchers he brought a guy who was trying to make a pbs documentary oh wow with him like so he was really trying to make this into like like let's look at this and take this seriously yeah. <laughs> you know well and the thing that i wonder about too is like how did keel feel about his representation in this movie as as leek the incredibly backward spelled keel who is clearly like i can't remember who's playing him but he's absolutely channeling donald pleasance in the halloween movies like he's like i saw the mothman i shot him six times (laughs) six times i shot him like what the fuck movie is that guy in because it's way more dramatic than the fucking mothman prophecies yeah 
Yeah. It's like how I always feel about Nancy's mom in Nightmare on Elm Street, where I'm like, she's in a whole other movie. <laughs> she's in a soap opera. Just straight yeah. up like, soap opera. That's leak. Yeah. <laughs> He's like way over the top in this movie where everybody else is so understated. And honestly, like in my opinion, not good understated. Like I don't, I don't believe Richard Gere's grief. I don't believe his like, right. you know, wonder and amazement at this crazy situation that he stepped into like he's just so low-key all the time yeah and i don't know i mean even just the, the look of richard gear and stuff i just don't buy it when it's coming from him man like i wish that this was i don't know fucking ed norton would be awesome in this sure <laughs> right. sure i'd buy but, it yeah. you know yeah there are a few people i could see doing a better job but obviously i do think again it had to do with going for a look like duchovny i mean they have the yeah, same eyes right. they have very yeah. similar mannerisms and then Duchovny is also he's low-key a lot but that very low-key yeah he's but always he's charisma attractive he's always sexy like no being low-key makes him sexy whereas with Richard right. Gere it's like I'm bored what is <laughs> happening come on man yeah. just perk up a little bit you know yeah, just maybe what the boomers are looking for in a heartthrob is you <laughs> maybe know, so. a little yeah. unthreatening, a little boring yep. and bland. But yeah, I don't... I don't the get movie, it. ultimately, I mean, one of the things that's so fun about the story is the way that people describe the Mothman. Mm -hmm. And not seeing the Mothman, not seeing this eight-foot-tall... Right. Like, you know, people talked about him, like, you know, basically standing there, this eight-foot winged creature, and, like bringing his wings out and shooting straight up into the air. Like, it's like, that's rad as shit. <laughs> yes, uh, I want that. More of that. And that we don't get to see that is Let's like, leave that and, out. and like him looming, you know, like people mm -hmm. talking about like they're in their bed at night and they look out the window and they're like, there he is. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you yeah. know, like show me that. Yeah. Show me all of that. That'd be, give me like subtle, tight. you know, hidden two red dots in the window. Like give me something Just subtle anything. going on with this yeah. guy. Yeah. But instead, it's just like, hey, you see him at the first. He looks like a paper cutout flying at the screen. You get him in all the transitions. You get him in little fucking burn imprints on stuff. Yeah. And that's that's about it. And something I was going to ask you, too, is like in the source material, I mean, do we ever find out where he went? Because in this movie, it's just like, oh, the story's over. Therefore, the Mothman left. <laughs> because like, is there ever any reason as for like why the story of the Mothman stopped? Why he left that town? Anything? Right. And... In if you sort of follow Mothman prophecies, the book and things that have been written afterwards, people would say like it never stopped. There was a point at which it wasn't talked as much, talked about as much because the bridge collapsed and everyone was trying to put their lives back together. So you know nobody was interested in UFOs and Mothmen at that point in town. They were just like, holy shit, we've just lost. I mean, the town has under like has around four thousand people in it. So when you have, and the movie downplayed the number of people yeah. who died, I think it was 37 Why? in the movie and it was 47 or something yeah. like that in real life because they thought the number was too dismal, which is weird, but um, really small town to lose that many people all at once, yeah. you know, was sure, hugely yeah. devastating. So initially after the Silver Bridge collapse, you didn't really hear a ton of Mothman buzz around there because it just was like their minds were elsewhere, but... You know, sightings did continue there, I mean, up into Ohio and in areas around there. Um, as you pointed out earlier, there's also like lore of the Mothman being in all kinds of different places yeah. and different countries and whatnot. But to this day, people still report sightings. And there's actually a wiki that keeps track of them. There's like oh, a Mothman wow. wiki. 
Um, and so it kind of has like a timeline of times that people have seen the Mothman from past to to present. So yeah, it's not, it didn't just end right <laughs> when the bridge collapsed. I think that was what they determined was like the dramatic moment yeah. and movie over. But yeah, it leaves you without much resolution to this Mothman thing. I can't confirm this or provide any evidence, but I'm pretty sure there's a deleted ending where it cuts to a beach and we hear some like, you know, uh, ukulele music <laughs> and mm, it sort yeah. of pans over and we see Richard Gere and Lori, Laura Linney sitting together sipping on a, a Mai Tai and they're like, boy, those were some crazy events, weren't they? Et cetera, blah, blah, blah. And then you see a shadowy figure sit down next to him sipping a Mai Tai and he's like, I could get used to this. <laughs> <laughs> and then a Kenny Loggins song starts playing, yeah. right? <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying... And I didn't see this explored at all in the movie. But if everybody's so curious to find out about, about this Mothman, they want to meet him. Like Richard Gere's trying to meet Indrid Cole and stuff the whole movie. He wants to meet this Mothman. I'm just saying, if you wanted to have an encounter during this time period where all this crazy stuff was going on, everybody's seeing the Mothman, I have a plan. They should have just lit up a really big porch light. <laughs> I don't know why nobody explored this. Of course, the Mothman would be drawn to it. It would work like a charm. He'd be like, oh, i got to get over here. Porch light. He'd be like, Just imagine going out on your porch. This is like eight foot dude. Porch light. Need the light. Why didn't anybody try this? Like, oh, no. Get away. Don't let him in the house. Open the door and close it really fast. Don't let the Mothman in. The real Achilles heel, you put the light out there and then like just a thing of orange juice underneath. A big pool of orange juice because you know. A moth cannot resist it. Moth He's got to go for it. Moth dust, and your problem is solved. I think the FBI should have constructed a huge bug zapper in the town square. <laughs> there it is. That thing would have just frizzle fried yep. all no over that thing. I, I'm just saying to, you know, all this stuff about the super spectrum, it's all really nice, but knowing that there were tons of normal people having these crazy hallucinations and seeing shit and hearing voices and all this jazz and also... FBI men in black and stuff were showing up being like, hey, have you seen anything weird? I'm saying we know MK Ultra happened. Oh. Right? And that is a running wow. theory. Okay. Like, you know, I'm just With saying, like, this. MK Ultra is absolutely a theory that comes up when it comes to the Mothman. Okay. And that's also why setting this in the 60s is so much more interesting because you have all kinds of stuff like MK Ultra and social and political unrest and yeah. you know, a changing uh changing society and drugs and yeah, everything. There's a ton happening in the 1960s that absolutely applies to this, and MK Ultra absolutely is one of those things. Okay. It just would have been more interesting and I think would have had more like open area to interpret what happened if it was set in the swinging 60s and it's like well yeah everybody's on acid but we're seeing yeah. this creature all over town like yeah <laughs> and that's, that, cool. that's like i mean in the book too it's constantly like people have to swear like i wasn't doing drugs when this happened huh. it makes a much more interesting backdrop when yeah. that's a possibility the whole time definitely you know could just be acid maybe it's just the acid i don't know yeah this movie is just so front loaded and I feel like especially the back half of the movie just really struggles with pacing yep. where it's just like 
conversation after conversation after conversation and like nothing is really happening it's just like i'm gathering clues i'm gathering clues i talked to a person today a bridge fell apart it's over <laughs> like that's a story is that a story yeah, I I guess. That's a story. yeah it left me with that feeling at the end of it that i'd missed something yeah <laughs> i was like yeah wait there has to be more to it than that right I think what I missed is why did I think this was good back in the yeah. day? <laughs> Watching it back, I really was like, I'm like, maybe I did miss something. Maybe there was like, you know, some, some stuff in the background. So like, you know how near the end he's, uh, they do like the mirror trick where he's sort of like looking one way and then his reflection in the mirror is looking the opposite way. And it's like, oh, that's but pretty why? creepy. But they well, built why? up to it. By showing mirrors so many times that by the time it happens, you're like not even paying attention to mirrors yeah, anymore. I've zoned out mirrors at this point. Yeah. It's just crazy. <laughs> yeah. It's a, a movie that maybe thinks it's a little more clever than it is. Mm-hmm. I think, I think so. Overall, that that is exactly how this feels to me. Yeah, I think yeah. that it really thought that it was onto something and it was being very fucking spooky and eerie and stuff and... I don't know, man. Like, I don't know what it is about it that hit me so well the first time. And then this time I was just like, man, I really just don't fucking care about this rich reporter guy who is, oh, his Audi broke down. Oh, <laughs> like, I just didn't care, yeah. really, you know? Maybe I wasn't in the headspace to watch it just because this week has been kind of rough for us and stuff, but it just didn't really do much for me. I mean, as we said earlier, a lot of people love this flick yep. for some reason, and... If you're one of those people, maybe you can let us know about it on the yeah. Facebook group or something. Chime in. Let us know what it is that you see in this movie that that we're missing. But I don't know, man. Maybe one day there's a Mothman movie that's waiting to be made that explores all these cool little stories and explores the men in black and right. maybe even this possible MK Ultra angle that we're talking about. But this, to me, is just one of those that I'm not really excited to watch again anytime soon. Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm with no, you on not that. So much. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not rushing out to watch this um, probably ever again. Honestly, like if somebody <laughs> put it on at a party, I'd walk out of the room. Peace uh, out. Just like guys. probably something better to do than waste another. I can see myself making the mistake again. I'm not gonna. Just <laughs> <laughs> kind of person I am. I get it. Maybe this time. <laughs> Maybe this time it's gonna hit. Did they change it? Let's check. Is this the Snyder nope. Cut of Mothman prophecies? <laughs> um, yeah. So I, I don't, I don't see myself watching it again. I, I didn't find much value to it, really. the The soundtrack's solid. Soundtrack's pretty good. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, it's it's pretty well like describing the spookiness of the yep. scenes and mm-hmm. elevating them a little bit without being too terribly intrusive. So yeah, I'll call that a plus. Yeah. So sure. that's. I mean, for me, yeah, this is a. Uh, it's real easy to to look at this and just say nah it's bad it's it's not it's not terribly directed obviously not terribly acted richard Gere and laura lenny aren't bad actors just don't they don't have chemistry and they don't Uh uh-uh their characters don't work they're just not interesting so yeah for me this is it's it's just not not worth a watch it's parts don't work yeah Parts don't work. Yeah, that's it. You guys ready to move on to the ratings phase? Yeah. Give this thing a numerical worth value on a scale of 1 to 10? Yes, sir. Tell us about it, y'all. Okay. Let's let our guest go first, because I, I... Ah, come on. Uh, okay, I'll go first. <laughs> I'll go first, because... All right. I... 
this is not as bad as say for me um you know a, a final destination though it has similar problems for me in, in that it everything seems like coincidence and like from from i guess a really cynical perspective on my part at no point am i really buying into any of the things that are going on because i'm like so like this one random dude told you a story and you instantly believe it and then another random person tells you a story and you're like two random people telling me a story they must be connected i <laughs> so for me i just i can't buy into the mentality of the movie but it is um it does the moments where it tries to get down to like how this is more about mental illness and grief and loss i think those are solid and like there's a there's a good movie somewhere in here it's just we're not watching it <laughs> they, they didn't give us that movie <laughs> yeah so for me it's 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 kind of like a a three out yeah. of ten i would say I think that sounds about right, man, because it's like it just needs so much more charisma. Like you just need to turn the charisma factor Mm -hmm. way Way, up on this movie and also like turn up the Mothman knob a a little bit more. So I actually get to see him other than fucking once in this movie. Again, there's a good movie to be made out of the story and we just didn't get it. So I'm going to say like three and a half for me. Not not really something I'm interested in seeing again. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to have to uh, agree with that. Everything just kind of needed to be cranked up, you know, which is it's weird because there are elements of it stylistically and everything that are very bold. But uh, the things that make you want to watch a movie and make you enjoy a movie uh, are just so subdued in this that it just makes it so you don't care. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I watch things because I care about, you know, the people in it and the story and whatnot. And it just never Never did that. So I'm going to go with the, the 3.5 as well. I think it doesn't... It's not the worst thing I've ever seen. It's not offensively bad. It's just that it's it, it's just not enough. Yeah, yeah right? Yeah. yeah. I think that pretty well sums it up. Well, Corey, it's been so fantastic having you on our show. I hope it's also not the last time. And now's the time to to promote, promote, promote. Tell us about where to find you, where we can find sure. your podcast and stuff. Just pimp that ride. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. This is great. And you are both welcome any old time on Joag. We'd be happy to have you. It's an awesome time. And uh, yeah, you know, you can go through some some horror therapy with us (laughs) on our show. Uh, And you can find us, I mean, easiestjackofallgraves.com. That'll take you to our link tree with everything uh, on it and our blog with our episodes. But we're available where all your your podcasts are available. You can find us on Instagram at Pod not jack of all graves you're gonna that is a spicy (laughs) spicy instagram that is not ours it's like i'll uh, check that one out later (laughs) dark and sexy so if you're looking for us uh at jack of all graves pod if you're looking for some very strange sexual horror art you want to go to jack of all graves on instagram uh, we're Jack of All Graves on Twitter, on Facebook. You can look us up uh, at Jack of All Graves for our group where we hang out and shoot the breeze about things and, you know, just have a grand old time. Oh, and we are going to do a little watch along, much like yes. the uh, screaming chats. We've done a few of these uh, as well over Discord. So you can find that in our link tree as well, our Discord to join that. Our next one, our theme is Hate Watch. So it will be <laughs> a film that is terrible but a lot of fun to watch. You can join our Facebook group to vote in the poll 
on which movie we will be watching on, I want to say, April 17th. 17th. Thank you. Yeah. April 17th. I wrote it down. <laughs> yeah, see, you're good at this. I'm not. Uh, in fact, our last our last watch along when I was in the screaming chat, it was one of your listeners who was like, hey, tell everyone that you guys are going to do one. It's like, oh, right. I kept wondering, Thanks, when Laura. are you going to look promotion? You do it on Saturday. It's so perfect. Like, <laughs> I know. It makes perfect yeah. sense, but I don't. I don't think that way. I'm not the greatest self-promoter. Slightly better than Mark, my dear co-host. Yeah, but if you want to hear a Welsh guy and an American girl talk over, you know, cultural exchange about things that scare us, we are happy to have you along on that journey. Awesome. Wonderful. That sounds fantastic. As for us, you can find us on all kinds of social media, can't they, Steve? Yep, at DeadLovelyPod on Twitter and Instagram. We're over there uh, twitting and Instagramming, all that stuff. (laughs) Yeah, we do. Um, then uh, facebook.com forward slash dead and lovely that awesome group over there also we have the screaming chat on Friday nights uh, we chat on discord movie that we stream is always on YouTube so there's no price barrier to, to watching it but uh, it also means that the movies are bad usually <laughs> and the Hell quality yeah. can be terrible but yeah, it's still a fun time you're not going to notice um, so come on over for that. Uh, what else we got? Um, uh, Patreon. Give us place. money. Just look for us. Dollar papers. Yeah. Give us some money on, on the Patreon. Give us oh, your dollar yeah, papers. Oh, yeah, patreon.com forward slash dead and lovely. Uh, head on over there and become a patron. Uh, any level you get access to our uh, 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 TV test pilots, it's called. That's right, you got it. Where we watch uh, an episode, the first episode of a show and decide if we will continue to watch it. Uh, we just did WandaVision. Might be out by this time, I think, perhaps. Uh, well worth it. But if you become a $5 patron, you get to throw a movie into the smoking bowl, and then we randomly choose from that bowl, and we review that movie at the end of the month, and it is awesome. Yeah, you damn right. There's some good old choices that have been thrown in the bowl, so get yours in today by joining up at the $5 level, 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 $5. <laughs> And also, if you don't have $5, you guys can help support the show by rating and reviewing on your podcast app of choice. Really does help a lot, y'all, and it just takes a second. Sure. I want to see more good old reviews popping mm-hmm. up there on Apple Podcast. So be sure to go on and rate and review this podcast if you have enjoyed it. If you haven't enjoyed it, well, uh, Keep it to don't. yourself. Yeah. Yeah, keep it to yourself. <laughs> uh, Dirtbag. Uh, I'd like to hear maybe like there's a bulletin board in your apartment building. Just post your review up there. Mm. Just let people know. I really like dead and lovely. And they'll be like, Oh, a guy in three B he's an asshole. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Makes a lot of noise at night. Don't like this guy. So fuck that podcast. podcast. Thank you guys so much for tuning in next week on the show. It's also going to be a full house. Good yeah, Lord. We're going right. to have ourselves a little podcast foursome because about a month or so ago, me and Steve Arino here dropped in on the Neon Brainiacs podcast to dish about pieces, that lovely piece of perhaps Giallo parody, question mark. Seems that and way. we had ourselves a really great time. That's a really fun show. If you're into horror podcasts and stuff like this, you want to have a chuckle, be sure to check out Neon Brainiacs. And this time, we are hosting those good boys, those hunky boys, on our show. And we're going to be talking about what? Brain scan. I'll tell you what's absolutely serendipitous. Um, The other day at our good buddy Brandon Settle's memorial service, you know, Brandon was a gigantic lover of film and stuff. Uh 
And part of the entire uh, celebration of life service that we had, which was fantastic, was that you got to walk by a table where there is a, I mean, honestly, not even a fraction of Brandon's movie collection. You could open a movie store with Brandon's movie collection, but um, his wife selected a lot of flicks and stuff that she knew meant a lot to him, put them on a table, and you get to grab a, a Blu-ray or two or three or four or a DVD or whatever of a movie that means something to you and Brandon, maybe something Brandon introduced you to, which was really, really sweet. Mm. Just happened to have brain scan. What? So even, oh. even in the afterworld, in the netherworld where Brandon Suttles now resides, he's here helping me out on Earth, being a buddy, providing me with a Blu-ray of brain scan. Isn't that cool? It's fucking serendipitous. It is. It's really awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. I know, right? Really, really. Also just cool just to, you know, take a piece of Brandon's film history and always yeah. have it with you. Really, really yeah, cool. I love that I like idea. that. That's really neat. So we'll be talking about that next week with the Neon Brainiacs fellers, so be sure to tune in for that one. Well, Corey, once again, thank you so much for sitting in on this episode, and thank you guys so much for listening to the newest installment of Dead and Lovely here with the three of us. It's me, your good buddy Uncle Ben. Me, your bad buddy, Hollywood Steve. And the spooky ghost of Corrigan. Oh, oh the spirit is leaving. She's leaving oh. us now. Thank you, good ghost, for granting us knowledge of the Mothman and his prophecies. Farewell. We will see you in the super spectrum spirit realm. <laughs> and we'll see you guys on the next installment of Dead and Lovely. Catch y'all later. Bye. Bye. You know, sometimes, Ben, I regret that we record these podcasts a week ahead of time. Yeah. Because I'm pretty sure by next week, White Boy Summer will be over and nobody will care about it anymore. Oh, my gosh. It's over already? It's already over. We (laughs) We hardly knew (laughs) you. What are you going to stop doing now that White Boy Summer is over, Steve? I don't know, man. I mean, all White Boy Summer, I've been... um, you know, just doing white boy stuff, uh, walking around my house. Uh, the usual. And also, uh, I've been getting laid left and right, just like Chet said. Wow. Did he say that? I don't know. I threw that in there. White boy summer has to be about something. I think it was implied. Yeah, it yeah. was implied. That's what I was thinking, is that he was yeah. going for white boys are going to get laid this summer. And uh, I'm, I'm just going to say, I think everybody's going to get laid this summer. Look out. It takes just two to tango. get vaccinated. It's going to be get laid summer. That's a good point. It very well could happen. Everybody getting poked one way or another. Yes. <laughs> Giggity. <laughs> if you've stuck around this long, well, you get to hear this. Before we move on to the movie, I am going, I'm going to dump this beer and get myself something else. I, I don't know what happened with mine. Steve, does yours taste really bad? No, it tastes good. Mine, seriously, like... Has notes of formaldehyde. I don't know oh, what happened to it. Get it like out some, of there. something strange is going on. Like it tasted like lemon peel that had sat in formaldehyde. And I'm like, something's not going right here. Yeah. Yikes. Don't yeah. drink that. Yeah. Yeah. Go yeah for I'm it. gonna toss that and I'll be right back. Okay. Smart. <laughs> you could see the the look of like, this isn't right. Yeah. As he was drinking it. And I was yeah. like, oh no, he just doesn't like it. That's weird. Mine's good. Huh. Hmm. Yours looks 
Yours looks different than his does. It does. It looks darker, doesn't it? Yours is darker. His was like yellow. Huh. <laughs> That's really weird. That is odd. Yeah, maybe there was something, uh, an off batch or something happened yeah. in the mail. I don't know, but. Or maybe it's that old uh, tradition of putting pee pee in it. <laughs> the old <laughs> the tradition. The age old tradition. Uh -huh, yeah. Just put a little pee pee in the beer. Yep. <laughs> for luck for luck yeah you don't <laughs> if you don't do one pee pee beer per batch it'll be a bad batch it's, yeah it's yeah. like you know the angel share coming off of the the whiskey or whatever you know <laughs> that like the evaporated yeah. part it's yes. the the pee pee share the pee pee share <laughs> that sounds right yeah i'm not i'm not a brewer but it feels no, like it's i'm a pretty thing. sure those are brewing terms yeah <laughs> mm -hmm. the pee pee share <laughs> oh Oh man, yeah, mine's great. I don't, I don't understand. That's crazy. Yeah, <laughs> it probably should have been assigned to all of us that they were different colors. <laughs> I mean, that probably should have been. Yeah, that probably should have. You know what's odd? You're I, I kind of thought it was like colored beers because he's in, he's in a real bright room and yeah. <laughs> I just have a a lamp on. I thought maybe it's that. How? <laughs> but how? How does that make sense? My brain was like, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, no, that totally makes sense. Bunch of detectives in here. Isn't it weird how your brain can convince you of something and then make you feel bad you thought it? <laughs> it's so true. What the fuck? Why does that happen? Like, I can't believe... Because our brains are not our friends. <laughs> your, brain's like, your brain's like, yeah, this is how things are. And then when you discover it's not, your brain's like, what a fucking idiot. How did you come to that conclusion? You did it. <laughs> Yeah, it was you. It was you all I along. learned by listening to you. <laughs> Stop talking about him. He's back. Oh, hey. <laughs> Is that what you guys are talking about? I don't know. Uh, we were noticing that it probably should have been assigned to us that your beers were different colors. Yeah, mine's darker than yours was. I noticed that, dude. Like, okay, let's just double <laughs> we check. We all noticed like, it. Okay. It's this same. can, right? Yeah, same can, man. What the yeah. fuck? Like, very seriously. Yeah, something it's, went wrong. Something yeah. is wrong with this one. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know. I don't know if it sat in the sun. I'm not really sure what was going on there. Yeah, but, that's weird. So I made yeah. myself a um, made about a half Dahmer in here, <laughs> um, which is just to say vodka, and then um, one of my favorites, some lemonade and some uh, spicy water on top to give it a little fizz. Yeah, that's solid. Mm. I, just I a little like lemonade, that not with, much. Um, grapefruit juice. Mm, yeah, yeah, see, it was. I was listening to you guys talk about um, your spicy water and adding like a little bit of juice yeah. to it, uh, it. Which I thought was, I can't remember which one of you said it. I think it was you, Ben, but you were like, because um, as, like, as an adult, I can't imagine drinking juice. Yeah, Ugh. it's crazy. And, and this is also, this is how far I've, well, you can't tell because the rapper's here. I've gotten about this far in this juice and I'm like feeling a little woozy. Yeah. Dude, <laughs> I was like, I know. that's pretty smart. Maybe I should dump it in here. <laughs> there you go. I <laughs> mean, it. honestly, with a little bit of bubbles, it would probably be pretty good, honestly. Pretty good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The only reason I'm not going to do it is because I don't trust my dexterity to actually make it in the hole that's a risk that's what she said yeah. also also yeah but it is a risk but no it's one of those things right. that, like i thought our taste buds were supposed to get more dull as we get old but like i have a straight juice and i'm like too much taste yeah, just, oh. oh yeah oh so much i have a so theory about sweet. that too i i got a ton of theories i've thought about this <laughs> I think, you know, you hear that when, it, like, I think that was in the 90s I heard that your taste buds start to dull as you age. I wonder if that has anything to do with the fact that all boomers smoked. 
Like smoking yeah. kills your taste buds. That's yeah, a really good point. A million percent true. Yeah, so <laughs> that's a good point. They were like, that must happen to everybody, right? No. It's like maybe after you smoke for 30 years, you start losing your taste buds. Yeah. Maybe yeah. it's that. You can't smell as well. <laughs> it's very weird. You guys but... ever have trouble breathing and get cancer and stuff? Like everybody? It just happens when you're <laughs> older. Have you ever noticed how when there's not leaded gasoline fumes polluting the air 24 7, you can taste stuff better? It's crazy. <laughs> It's crazy. Bonkers. Madness. Yeah, someone said the other day, um, oh, my friend Ben had to explain what a cigarette was to his daughter. Um, we were playing the game Spirit Fair, and oh, I was awesome. like, oh, so like your parents didn't just like smoke in the living room yeah. over World News tonight? Crazy. Huh. <laughs> Chain smoking them while watching Peter Jennings go yep. off. Like, oh my God, dude. That was my, <laughs> my like... grandmother, my grandfather. Uh, my mom uh, stopped smoking when she got pregnant with me. And then picked it back up when I was a teenager. Yeah. What? My mom does it regular, like the, like, oh, I'm done with this. And then the next thing you know. Mama didn't raise no quitter. <laughs> <laughs> hmm? 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 Dude, I, I just remember all the times as a kid going into a restaurant and it just being polluted with smoke. Yeah. Like, yeah. You got so used to it that it was normal. And it's like, well, we want to sit in the non-smoking section. Mm. It's like, well, the whole fucking yeah, restaurant smells like smoke. It's the dumbest yeah, concept no such thing. ever. I, yeah. <laughs> when I first started serving tables, the, there was a smoking section my first year. And yeah. I always requested to not be in the smoking section. And they, they were cool with it. But the problem was the way you came out of the kitchen was through the smoking section. Oh, sure. it's good. They put it right near the food. Yeah. Too. What? <laughs> Jeez, Jeez, idea. Real nice. There was still, you could still smoke in restaurants in Oregon when I lived there after college. Oh, wow. That was, yeah. And it was shortly thereafter they banned it, but it was 2008, 2009. Dude, and like the entire, you know, start of my, my life of playing live music and stuff, you know, for probably the first eight to 10 years of that was when smoking was allowed in like every bar and every restaurant and all that jazz. And I just think about all the times that like, I mean, especially as like a person with long hair, it's like, well, oh, I'm gonna have to wash yeah. my hair three times before this is all gone. <laughs> yeah, and then 100%. even your gear, like like my guitar straps and stuff that were cloth, or like any covering on my amps and stuff, everything would just stink. Ugh. So gross. The worst. So Fucking. Gross. I'm glad we've mostly passed that. Mostly. No, right. Mostly. Yeah. yeah, and then there's just like every time I see some like non-boomer that starts smoking, like, like what are you are, doing? how dumb are you? Yeah, Ugh. yeah. My little sister smokes, and I'm like, what? You're like you're 32 Ish. years old. Like, what? <laughs> why would you do that? Why? It makes yeah. no why? sense. On purpose? Who's making yeah. you do this? It's... Yeah. <laughs> okay. Anyways, Back we to have digressed. I'm gonna put all this in at the end. It's gonna be the <laughs> longest like tale ever. <laughs> just leave it in. Uh, Fuck it. This is always the problem when you like add like one more person into thing yeah. who's just as talkative as you are, yes. and then you're like, "This is 17 hours." That was my this fear. This is the Snyder cut of Dead and Lovely. I'm definitely including care. this because I I wanted to talk about this. That was my fear of be being on your podcast is when I listened to it because like, um, you know, you were part of the the streaming chat and stuff, and I was mm -hmm. like, uh, "I'll be on your podcast." I hadn't listened to it yet. But it was like I'd seen some clips, and I was like, "Yes, that seems funny." Yeah, I listened to it, and I, my fear immediately was, oh, this is just going to sound like a conversation at a party, not a podcast. <laughs> like, the right. second you throw me into this, it's just going to be that. So I, like, I would try to, like, be silent and just listen <laughs> and let a podcast happen. But if I had oh, I not done that, that, it would discipline. just have been this for hours. <laughs> yeah, just That's fine, man. Hey, the people get what they pay for. You know exactly. what? It is true. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Okay. Back to cryptids, I guess. I think we're done. Are we done with cryptids? Yeah, I think we finished. Movie okay, time? good. <laughs> awesome. Because I didn't really want to talk about cryptids anymore. I got another. I got another. I'm very done with this. Yeah. I, I just like that to be the transition. Checking anyway, out. I'm sick of talking about yeah. cryptids. So, bye. Let's move